following program may contain material or language that may be considered objectionable. Parental guidance is suggested. Because our time is now! Because the champ is here! Wrestling News sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com Yes! 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 With your hosts, all the way from New York City, Wrongzilla Tony J. Mirabella We've got the whole world in his hands He's got the whole world in his hands He's got the whole world in his hands And residing in Calgary Alberta, Canada. Mr. Money on the mic. Say hello to the bad guy. Jeff Jackson. I'm an asshole. Assholes. Finish first. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Unscripted, uncensored, unbelievable. It's unplugged. We are the best in the world at what we do. And it starts now. Rockefeller 
Alright guys, welcome to another edition of Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. As always, I am your host for the evening, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. we got a lot to talk about on this particular program after a nice two-week hiatus. But as you hear Billy Joel in the background, a fire was lit this past week. And it just continues to burn out of control. We're going to be talking about the CM Punk podcast with Colt Cabana where he basically told his side of the story. We're also going to talk about Vince McMahon last night on the Stone Cold Steve Austin live podcast on the WWE Network. We're going to be running down what happened last night on Monday Night Raw, what happened last week on Lucha Underground, what happened last week on NXT, news of the week, you name it, we're going to talk about it on this very show tonight, tonight, tonight. But joining me as always, he's my co-host, all the way from the NYC, he is Bronxzilla Tony J. Mirabella. Oh, someone's excited tonight. It's been two weeks. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to get some stuff out of my system. I'm amped. I'm hyped. But I'm also tired as a motherfucker because I've been working my ass off. As I told you earlier, I got home at 630, which left me about 45 minutes to an hour to get everything ready for the show tonight. So, I'm wired, bro. Totally fucking wired right now. Yeah, you're at that position where you're so tired, you're actually peppy. It's crazy, right? It, it is pretty out of control, I think. Well, it is what it is. I, I had five days off, and I went back to work. Fuck and, you. Yeah, I, I was actually glad, though, after a while to go back. You know, when you sit home for five days, you fucking get bored sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I, I can relate to that. You know, all that time I wasn't working, uh, you know, I, I could totally get that vibe. I'll put it to you like this, bro. You know, I love these people like, oh, if I ever won the lottery, I'd keep working. Go fuck yourself. I wouldn't work another day in my life. If I won the lottery, an extravagant amount of money. Like, like say, for example, tomorrow I win the lottery, I win $30 million. JJ is a traveling motherfucker. Hopefully, you cut, you cut your pal Bronxy a check. I might, I might cut my pal Bronxy a check. Seeing as how we're we're pretty close, you're my boy, so I probably take care of you. Yeah, I can think of about maybe three people on this planet who I'd cut a check to. You're one of them, and the other two are relatives. There's not many relatives. I would. That's a sad thing, dude. I would cut you a check and make you a millionaire before I would make members of my family a millionaire. That's oh, yeah, that shit. That's how tight we are. There are members of my family I can't fucking stand, and I don't talk to. Wouldn't you just love to be able to laugh at them when they come out of the woodworks? Because you know, like, a day after you won, the phone would start ringing, right? Ten minutes after I won, I'd get emails. I'd get fucking calls out of the woodwork. Be like... Hey, Jeff, it's your cousin Jose from Tijuana. I don't have a cousin Jose from Tijuana. Yes, you do, Holmes. <laughs> it's Jose Jackson, man. Don't you remember? We grew up together. <laughs> your wow. mother never told you about your father. He fucked my mama. <laughs> I'm your brother. <laughs> Whoa, wait a second here. Yeah. And I've got like these car payments that are due, essay. Yeah. 
Yeah, essay. I need a new house. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I hear that shit. So, how, how's your week been? So far, so good. I mean, it's uh, been a really wet, cold kind of start to the week here in the city, but not too bad. A, a wet, cold kind of week. So far, yeah, it's just been rainy and fucking cold. You know, not cold enough to snow, but cold enough to make the rain hurt. Well, let me see. We got about, uh, I don't know, seven to ten inches of snow on the ground. And, and Friday was rough, dude, because it was coming down like a motherfucker. And it got to where it was like minus, I want to say minus 30 on Friday. It took me almost two hours to get home on Friday from work. I left at 5. I got home about 7.30. And we're talking straight up, snow is coming down, rush hour traffic. I might have moved five miles in fucking 30 minutes. It was ridiculous. Yeah, well, luckily, everyone up there knows how to drive. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that shit. I knew it'd get a laugh out of you, though. <laughs> you know, like, you know, here's the thing. And it's not just rush hour traffic, but, you know... When you're out driving your car, for those of you that drive and don't take public transit, so Bronx, see yourself out of this conversation for a minute. Ugh. For those of you that do drive, I don't care where you are, if you're out and about and you see a guy with his turn signal on, let the motherfucker over. You know, like, that, that's one thing that bothers the fuck out of me when I'm driving my delivery van. You know, if I need to get over in a lane... I'm usually the first person that will let somebody over. If somebody needs to get in front of me because they need to take an exit, I'm going to let them over. I'm just courteous like that. You know, every day when I'm driving that fucking van or my own personal car, like today, for example, driving the delivery van home, uh, well, back to work so I can go home. So this is after 5 o'clock because I worked late today. And traffic's a motherfucker. And I'm in the middle lane. And I'm trying to get over to that far right lane. So I'm trying to get one lane over. I got my blinker on. It's been on for five fucking minutes, but nobody wants to fucking let me over because everybody's in a goddamn hurry until finally somebody will fucking flash their lights saying, hey, man, go ahead and go. It's just fucking courtesy. And the millisecond he does that, everyone behind him starts blowing their horn like assholes. Well, you got this little gimmick called the fucking blinker. I hate the motherfuckers that don't use it. But the ones that do use it, you were fucking reward them. You let them the fuck over. It's real simple. It's not rocket science. I could teach a monkey to fucking drive. Well, I mean, you mentioned mass transit. I mean, we'd be here all night with this shit. But it's like, I would love, just if I ever hit the lottery, not that I'd ever, you know, voluntarily ride mass transit again but for about a week i'd love to pay vicky guerrero five hundred thousand dollars to just ride the subway with me during rush hour so when we get to my fucking stop she could scream excuse me for 10 minutes like i do it's like you want to get off and everybody's wearing fucking headphones and looking into their phone and they don't move and it's funny that a train can be entirely empty there could be enough seats there for the entire wwe roster but motherfuckers love to stand near the doors. And I've never, how I haven't killed a motherfucker yet is beyond me. I hear you. Anthony says, so you're going to teach Bronx how to drive then? Actually, I was thinking about teaching you how to drive, Farley. 
Uh, he's in California. He probably knows how to drive already. I doubt that. Motherfucker, it ain't about teaching. Okay, me driving would not be a good idea. That that'd be like, look, Brock's driving would be like teaching Stevie Wonder how to drive. It's it's probably you know not the best idea. Yeah. Bronx, you're dragging someone, huh? Whoops, sorry. Oh my God! Like you know, we, like I said, we got a lot to cover on this program. A lot to cover. Um, I talked with Colin Vaslo. Uh, you know, our, our hookup over at wrestling-online.com. Obviously, our news source. Colin has been a guy that's been very instrumental in setting up interviews. Here on the uh, the SNS Radio Network, specifically for Unplugged, and um, apparently it looks like we're going to be giving away some swag from Lucha Underground. Yeah, that's that's what I'm telling you. Uh, I know a T-shirt is involved, so we'll be getting T-shirt sizes. But uh, I'm not sure how I want to do this just yet. I have not renewed my Skype number, which I'll be doing this week. So I couldn't take phone calls. But I know next week we are going to have someone from Lucha Underground on the program. But I'm being told that uh, whoever wins this this little contest that I'm thinking about putting together, uh, you know, obviously we will send it to the Lucha Underground people and they will send you a prize uh, pack from Lucha Underground, which I which obviously features a T-shirt of some sort. And some other swag. So I'll be thinking about how to do that as the program continues on. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, it sucks. If we work for the network, we're not eligible. Ugh. Yes, if you have a radio show on this network, you are not eligible. If you are on a radio show on this network, you are not eligible. Listeners only, folks. Damn. Yes. But... Let's go ahead and get down to some business. I know that we have uh, we have a this day in wrestling history segment from Sean Beckerman that we need to get through, and then uh, we're going to talk about what happened last night on Monday Night Raw to get us started off on the program. So that being said, Bronx, put your seatbelt on. It's time to hit this motherfucker up to 88 miles per hour. And you know what happens then? Well, Sean Beckerman tells us what happened this day in wrestling history. Gentlemen, as you know, the ultimate warrior. Fuck it. Welcome back, boys and girls. It's been a little bit, but it's that time once again for the longest reigning episodic segment in Unplugged history. As it's time to hop in that DeLorean once again to go old school to relive this date in wrestling history. Courtesy of Beyond the Bell, your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, we look back on December 2nd, the year 2007, in professional wrestling history. On this date seven years ago today, TNA Total Nonstop Action Wrestling presented Turning Point, from the Impact Zone at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. The show is remembered for not only being the promotion's first feast or fired match, in which a match that consisted of four cases hanging on poles, three containing title shots, and one containing a pink slip. 
Whoever drew the fire case would, of course, be fired from the promotion. While there have been very few infamous moments in the short history of TNA, on this date, this was one of the very few. On this date, Samoa Joe featured an epic and historic shoot promo just before the main event drawn primarily from Scott Hall's failure to appear at the event. The initial main event was supposed to be the Pseudo Wolf Pack, consisting of Kevin Ash, Scott Hall, and Samoa Joe taking on the Angle Alliance, consisting of Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, and Tomko. And in an instance in which was very common for Scott Hall at this point in his career, he no-showed the event. As a result, Eric Young was put in Hall's place. This resulted in one of the more memorable promos in Samoa Joe's career, but not only that, but in the history of TNA. And it took place on this date in history. You know what? You know what? I'll tell you what. Backstage, I was told to come out here, and they said, Joe, the fans love you, and if there's one thing they trust, it's you. And we want you to go out there, and we want you to tell these people something that'll make them satisfied with the fact that Scott Hall no-showed this event tonight. And you know, I would love, I would love to tell you people that he'd be coming down that ramp a little bit later on, but the fact of the matter is, he punked out on me, and he punked out on every single fan in this building tonight. And then it got me thinking. I was back there and I said, well, you know what? I could walk out there. I could go two on three with Kevin and make the best of it. But you know what? I also realized another thing. They just gave me a live mic on pay-per-view. So if you all don't mind, I'd like to get a few things off my chest. Number one, in TNA, we have two types of wrestlers. We have TNA diehards who come here and entertain and bust their ass for these fans every night of the week. And we got superstars who think they can come and do whatever they want, however they feel like. We have superstars who come out here and not only screw us, the hardworking wrestlers of TNA, but they screw each and every fan who paid to see them no matter how old they are. So let me make this real simple. Let me explain to you what TNA is. TNA is the motor machine machine guns coming out here and busting their ass and trying to make a break in this business. TNA is Black Machismo doing his damnedest to entertain every single fan in this building and show them what's up. TNA is Samoa Joe coming in here and doing what he does best wrestle and be the best damn professional wrestler in the world. DNA is a bunch of hard-working young athletes who are looking to change the wrestling world. Guys who held down this business while others profiteered from it. DNA is the men who come in here, risk their lives on scaffoldings, on wires, while others show up and pad their pensions. So I'll tell you what, Scott Hall, Chico, kiss my ass. You punked out, and you're a punk. So tonight, I went in that locker room, and they said, hey, they called everybody in the world trying to get me a new partner. But I said, no, we don't need anybody. We got everybody we need in the back right now. So I walked to the back, and I said, hey, who wants to go out there in the main event tonight, and who wants to get into a fight? And every damn one of the X Division wrestlers stood up. I walked to the back, and I said, who wants to come out and get in a fight in the main event tonight? And every single young wrestler whose first TV contract was here at TNA stood up and said me, but one in particular. Bloody, beaten, battered, bruised, and overlooked by everybody in the world, looked at me and said, Joe, please give me the shot. 
And without further ado, I announce my partner, a man who will show up, a man who will be here and do what he needs to do, a man who's ready for a fight, and a man who will be even when he's an old man. Without further ado, I bring out my tag team partner, Showtime Eric Young. Get out of here, let's kick some ass. Don't forget to catch the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast Beyond the Bell exclusively on the SNS Radio Network. We return back from the holiday this week as we cover part two of the history of professional wrestling video gaming, covering the end of the Attitude Era through the modern day gaming and sports entertainment. Also in the coming weeks, we relive the downfall and end of ECW. The Monday Night War series continues, and we remember Starcade. All this and more on Beyond the Bell. For this date in wrestling history, your personal ring announcer, Sean Beckerman, signing off. Until next week, stay old school, my friends. I remember that very vividly. I also remember it was around the same time when Mr. Kennedy, obviously now known as Mr. Anderson at TNA, was feuding with Shawn Michaels. And he was going through the process of, I think one guy was dressed up like Razor Ramon. He was trying to get Shawn Michaels, you know, former wrestling opponents. And he had Marty Jannetty, and he beat the shit out of Jannetty. And he had a fake Razor. And he says to the guy, glad you could show up. I remember that fucking very vividly. I'm wondering if I'm thinking of another incident or if this was the one where Kevin Nash said he confronted Joe in the back about this. And basically, Kevin claims he slapped Samoa Joe and Joe did nothing. I'm wondering if this is the promo because I remember Joe had gotten some gigantic fucking heat in TNA. I think he was suspended for a bit. Well, he makes a good point, though. You know, I mean, guys like Samoa Joe and Eric Young and AJ Styles, all those homegrown TNA talent that worked their ass off, you know, for TNA to have guys like Scott Hall and, you know, Kevin Nash and all these big-name superstars, a Scott Steiner, who would show up when they wanted to. And Scott Hall was, was notoriously the worst of all of them, as he had a lot of problems going on at the time. He was missing shows. Uh, we will be talking a little bit about Scott Hall in the news segment tonight because there's something that really bothered me this week that I need to get off my chest in regards to Scott Hall. Uh, but I don't know if, if that was the incident where there was a confrontation between Joe and Kevin Nash, but I do remember you know him cutting that promo on pay-per-view and making the comment, you know, they just gave me a live microphone on pay-per-view, and it was kind of Joe's pipe bomb. So... I remember that. I don't remember which pay-per-view it was, but but I do remember that. Yeah, I don't know, and I agree with some people in the chat room. I mean, Kevin Nash is a big motherfucker, but I'm not sure, man. In a, in a straight-up fight, I mean, Kev got the size, but those Samoans, man, they're no joke. I'm not sure if old Kevin could have just slapped Samoa Joe around without him doing shit. Well, you know, and that, that's that's the funny thing when, when I hear, well, you know, yeah, this this guy's bigger and, you know, he might win the fight. Here's the thing. When you look at a guy that's bigger than you, you know, there, there's one weakness that's going to, if you take a guy off his feet, he can't fucking fight. You know, Kevin Nash has a history of knee problems. 
you know, you exploit somebody's weaknesses. Now, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but if you're in a confrontation with a guy that you seemingly cannot beat up, you take advantage and you exploit the weaknesses. You know, you chop a guy, you chop down a tree, it's not going to put up a fight. You know what I'm saying? So, again, Samoa Joe is a legit tough guy. I like Kevin Nash, so I'm not going to say anything negative about Kevin Nash. I, again, I don't know the situation. I don't know the story. I don't know if there was legit legit heat there. But, it, it, you know, if if I have to take down a giant, I'm taking the legs out. That's all there is to it. Man. Yeah, I mean, or, you know, see me, I got no problem fighting dirty. I'll, if I can, I'll kick you in the balls before you manage to throw a punch. I don't care. If dude's bigger than you, you do what you can. But I'm sure, you know, Samoa Joe wouldn't need to resort to that. He could probably take a motherfucker down. He probably has 20 ways of taking you down. Well, like I said, Joe's a legit tough guy. So, you know. Take it for what it's worth. But, yeah, I, I remember that time period in TNA, and, and I remember that the Scott Hall missing the shows. And I think that was his last run with the company, too. I think after that he was pretty much done. Yeah, and I, like you said, I love Kevin Nash to death. I love the guy. I'm not shitting on him. You know, we weren't there. We don't know what happened. But, you know, it is what it is. Very true. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our first commercial break. When we come back, we'll jump into what happened uh, on Raw last night, you're gonna have to fill me in on some stuff because the first hour I didn't even, I didn't even watch. Like I wasn't home to see it, and I didn't watch it today because I didn't have time. So it'll be a surprise to even me. So that being said, we'll take our first commercial break here on SNS Unplugged, and be right back with more right here on the SNS Radio Network. For the breaker. Original KID started in 91 in the state of NC. In the place to be, your boy paid his dues. When hell's a visa spot, all the marks are through. Vertebreaker, we'll break your spine. Vertebreaker, does the trick every time. Vertebreaker, we'll slap your face. Vertebreaker. Uh, you knew me as Sugar Shane, you may have known me as the Hurricane, but this is the Shane event, Shane Helm, and you're listening to Unplugged on the SNS Network. Vertebreaker, we'll break your Hey guys, this is Ashley. And this is Sandro. And we're here to make sure that you check out the whole indie show each week on the SNS Radio Network. As both of us, along with our other co-host Randy, cover everything that you need to know on all things indie wrestling. It's your place for all the most recent indie news and event results, reviews of the latest shows from all the major promotions, and previews for all the upcoming events. We also want your feedback on any indie stuff you may have seen as well. Plus, you know, you never know. You might even get a few paperclip references now and then. So for all that and much more, listen to The Whole Indie Show every week here on the SNS Radio Network. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. 
And I want to take a moment to let you guys know that personally, I appreciate the support that we've had here on the SNS Radio Network over the years. And I'm here to tell you about a new way that you can help us out and show your support for the SNS Radio Network. We now have a way for you to uh, donate to the SNS Radio Network. If you go to the SNSRadioNetwork.com main page, scroll down, there is now a donate button on the page. Now, I'm not saying you have to donate to us, but your donation is very appreciated as we do a lot of hard work on the SNS Radio Network. Spend a lot of our time and our own money to make sure that you guys have uh, entertaining podcasts and live shows on the SNS Radio Network. So to those who have donated so far, on behalf of the SNS Radio Network, we appreciate you and your continued support. And for those that will donate in the future, again, we thank you for your support of the SNS Radio Network. www.snsradionetwork.com, providing you with free podcasts since 2010. back to SNS Unplugged. And now, back to Bronx and JJ. Definitely one of my favorite songs from the 80s. And, you know, as it's been pointed out in the chat room numerous times, Brian Danielson's uh, ROH music. So there you go. The final countdown. I swear to God, I had I was muted out and I was whistling the whole time. I love that song, too. <laughs> it used to be the uh, we used to use that that song also for the unplugged intro. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We had so many different intros. Yeah. But I love that song. Yeah, it's a good song. 
that's a workout song right there. Like when you're fucking lifting weights or jogging, that's a song oh. you want to be listening to. Dude, there's so many cool songs from the 80s that you could work out to. I mean, that's one of them. Uh, no Easy Way Out from the Rocky Four soundtrack is another one. You know, like there's just some really cool fucking shit you could you could really fucking, you know, work out to, you know, get get, get your sweat on. Sweat by CNC Music Factory. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was another good one. I used to love the CNC Music Factory. Yeah, I know. That, that was like, though, I, I know they had a few other hits, but that's the one I always remember. For some reason, I don't know why. It's one of those songs, and, and there's nothing wrong with this. It's like Raining Men, though. It's like been associated with kind of being gay, which I never understood. I, I don't know what about that song is gay. About what song? C- uh, Sweat by CNC. Uh, isn't it, is it is it sweat or is it everybody dance now? I think it's just called sweat. Oh, you're right. There is one. There, actually, there's two songs. There's sweat. There's uh, everybody dance now. There's here we go. Things that make you go. Hmm. No, I meant everybody dance now. You know, come on, let's sweat, baby. Let the music take your soul. Let the rhythm move you. And the guy's part with the deep voice, I just can't remember. Yeah, Freedom Williams was pretty badass back in the day. Ah, good shit, man. That is good shit. Well, let's go from good shit to bad shit. What happened last night on Monday Night Raw? Isn't that a great segue? We go from great to not so great. Well, I don't know if I agree with that totally. Let's see when we get to the end of this and see what you think. Uh, What did start off as shit is the anonymous Raw GM with an email. He's back. He's not happy without the authority. Blah, blah, blah. Cena interrupts, thank God. One of the few times I was glad to see Cena. Well, now, now, hold on a second. So the anonymous GM was back. I I realize this. But didn't we, like, have a resolution to this story a couple years ago? Wasn't it Hornswoggle was was the anonymous GM? That was the the storyline payoff was that they finally revealed who the guy was, and it was fucking Hornswoggle. But now we're going back to there was no resolution. We have the anonymous GM. What the fuck, WWE? Like, literally, what the fuck? Yeah, cheap creative, you know. I mean, we're supposed to forget about that. I pointed that shit out last week. And, uh, you know, I've just come to accept that they think we have fucking Alzheimer's. But... Thank God he wasn't nearly as part of the show as I thought he'd be. And because Cena says, you know, I fought for this, for the board of directors to put, you know, bring this crap back again. Now the computer keeps going off and Cena goes outside and closes the lid on the PC. But it keeps beeping. But then it stops, thank God. Now, Seth Rollins comes out with joke and joke. I don't know what to call these idiots. Rollins sarcastically, he puts over that Cena has nothing but bad jokes. He's great at taking credit. And if it wasn't for Sting, we'd have won. Now, Cena, to his credit, puts Dolph Ziggler way over as the guy who won for his team. And Rollins asks, do you really think WWE's better off with the author- without the authority? Who's next? JBL, Batista, Bischoff taking over again? It's going to be a guessing game every week, and you need to bring the authority back. Now, Cena wants Seth Rollins to beg for the authority to come back. But the computer goes off one more time, and Cena and Rollins will compete in a tables match at TLC. And if Cena loses, 
he loses his number one contendership for the WWE title, which I quite frankly forgot that he had. Now, this distracts Cena and he gets attacked. Kane helps with the attack. Ryback tries to make the save. Kane wears Ryback out with a steel chair. Rowan comes out for the save, but Big Show's in to stop him. Harper blindsides Ziggler with the freaking ladder. Cena gets knocked the fuck out by the Big Show. A good one, JJ. And then Cena gets put shield style through the table by our heels. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty nice. It, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was nice to see them do the whole kind of shield gimmick of, you know, three guys holding them up and putting them through the table. It was cool. Cena, Cena got his ass whipped in this segment. Well, you know, that's, that's par for the course. It's John Cena. You know, the sunlight hits him and he's fine later on in the program. Yeah, I know, but still, it was still cool to see him get his ass kicked. I don't care. Let's see. We have a this this I enjoyed a tag team turmoil match for the number one contendership for the tag team titles, and uh, Goldust and Stardust versus the New Day, Big E and Kofi to start us off. Big E gets a two on Goldust with a clothesline, but the New Day gets the first fall, and the Dust Brothers are out. Kid and Cesar, uh, Tyson Kidd and Cesaro are our next team. Now Kofi Kingston's getting killed until he tags in Big E. Cesaro saves Kid from the big ending. Big E knocks both of them off the apron. Big E with some good shows of strength. But in the end, yes, Cesaro and Tyson Kid survive. So now it's Jimmy and Jay Uso out. Kid gets uh, uses Natalia as a Natalia Natalia as a shield on the outside. Kid and Cesaro keep the upper hand until Jimmy Uso gets tagged in. Samoan drop on Tyson Kidd. And the Usos get the win in the end by pinning Tyson Kidd. There's one more team, Adam Rose and the Bunny. Thank God the Usos beat them. So your number one contenders again are the Usos. I would have liked to have seen Kidd and Cesaro get it. A few people said that. I would have... I would have been okay with Kid and Cesaro, but I, I also would have been fine with New Day getting it because, I mean, look, I love the Usos. I watched the 10 Hours to Houston uh, little documentary that they put on the network a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was well done. Um, I, again, I like the Usos. I can't stress that enough. I think they're a fantastic tag team, but I kind of want to see some new blood get injected into the title picture, you know? Um Again, I'm sure they'll have a great match with uh, with who is it, Damian uh, Damian Mizdow and the Miz. I'm sure they'll they'll do fine. I would just rather see some fresh blood injected into the tag team division. You know. Yeah, I know some people would have bitched. Oh, New Day just made a tag team. Yeah, but they're all established guys. It's not like you know they're just three guys out of NXT and you put the belts on them. Well, so, I, mean, I mean, look, you guys should have known they weren't going to get a shot because, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm not trying to be racial here, but they're black. How many black tag teams actually get a run with a tag team championship? How many times did Crime Time have the number one contendership and never get a fucking title shot? You know, like, they're notorious for this shit. Yeah, it's hard to deny as much as it. we hate saying it. Truth is truth. Speaking of Miz and Mizdow, they're in the back, and Miz is talking to Naomi, and he liked her twerking video, and 
he wants to get her an acting job and gives her the number to his agent. More on this later. Vince McMahon is shown arriving for the Austin podcast. Now, this is a character change that interested me. Rowan is, quote unquote, interviewed. And he's asked, why did you target the big show when you've got all this stuff going for you? Apparently, Rowan has a very high IQ. And I don't know where that comes from. All Rowan says is, I'm a, he's a bully and I don't like bullies. And he gives the person who's interviewing him a completed Rubik's Cube. Okay. <laughs> Rowan is not a bully. So what the fuck was he the whole time he was with the fucking uh, Wyatt family? What was all that about? I, I'm so lost with what they're doing here. With, with Rowan, not, you know, he hates bullies. Okay, sure. Why not? Yeah, and where did this come from? Like, now all of a sudden, he went from this guy whose mind that Bray Wyatt supposedly tore down and built back up, and now he's a genius. He's a, they said something about him, him being a professor. He had an IQ of 143. Well, I've got an IQ of 145, and I can't do a Rubik's Cube. And and he's not Rowan anymore. He's Big Red. Oh, don't please don't get me started on that. I wanted to try to like hold that in and not get upset about it. Because you know when I think of the name Big Red, it takes me back to when I used to. Uh, it takes me back to like two thousand when uh, what was the name of that fucking uh, movie? Uh, was it Ready to Rumble with the cheerleaders? Yeah, wasn't it Ready to Rumble? I'm not sure. I don't think it was Ready to Rumble. It was something. It, it was something like the Ready to Rumble was the wrestling one. I can't remember what that movie about the fucking cheerleaders was. Oh, bring it on. Bring it on. That's what it was. There was a character in there called Big Red, and she was a bitch. So when I hear the name Big Red, that's what I equate it to, not fucking Rowan. Or I equate it to the Big Red machine. But now we've changed him to Big Red. Okay. You know what popped into my head first thing? Like, I have a million jingles in my head from when I was a little boy. Just kiss a little longer, make it last a little longer. Remember Big Red Chewing Gum? Yeah, I remember the Big Red Chewing Gum. That's what I think of the minute I heard that. I'm like, okay, is that copyrighted? But I guess not. He's Big Red now. All right. Big show out. And he says, I have to be a bully. People have betrayed him. Huh? Rowan gets called out. Rowan actually knocks Show out of the ring with a good clothesline. But then Show starts kicking Rowan's ass. Rowan with another good clothesline knocking Show to the outside. But then Rowan is Irish whipped into the steps. And the big Show, who didn't look like he gave a fuck about <clears throat> protecting this man, Hits Rowan in the back of the fucking head with the steel steps, and Big Show is disqualified. Yeah, Big Show, uh, everybody stabs me in the back. Have you seen how many times this guy has fucking done face heel turns uh, just in the WWE alone? Not counting his run in WCW. But, like, I think, it, I think the total is up to, like, he's had 40 different turns in since 1999. What? What? How do you even have friends at this point? I mean, Big Show is damaged. He, I, so, I, look, look, I like Show, but it's done. You know, I, he should have never been a fucking face. 
big show from day one should have been a big, angry, I'm pissed off at the world giant. And, you know, how many times have we seen from good to bad, from bad to good? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, because I mentioned this on Get in the Zone the other night. I want to know what you think. Remember when a guy was seven foot two, three 350 pounds, and you'd ask, what's his gimmick? Uh, he's seven foot two, 350 pounds. But what does he do? He's seven foot two, 350 pounds. He kills people. You know, Andre didn't need to be flipped back and forth. Andre was a fucking animal. He was seven foot something. Three, you know, that was the thing. Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy. They were just big, bad motherfuckers. It was simple. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, Kali, when he first started, he, you know, he was a heel. And they made him a comedy act. I, I just, when you've got a guy that's that size, he should literally be a dominant fucking giant. No, I agree. I mean, the same could be said for Matt Morgan. That's another guy both companies fucked around both directions i mean it was just eh, I, they don't know what to do with big men anymore i'm just sick of the flipping you know pick a side show we're supposed to have rusev versus swagger but swagger doesn't come out to his theme music and in the back we see zeb coulter on the floor with his leg screwed up and rusev and lana are out there usa chance and of course lana says shut up you practice freedom, but last week Rusev was forced to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. And because he didn't, he was punished on SmackDown. But 19 men failed to beat Rusev. And Rusev mumbles something. For those who like Zeb, don't listen, have been broken. Lana does a Russian version of the Pledge of Allegiance to nuclear heat. But Swagger comes out, who apparently got a dose of testosterone from seeing his friend get hurt because even though he's been beaten by Rusev 50,000 times at this point, manages to start beating the shit out of Rusev to get revenge on Zeb and Rusev and Lana Powder. Not this again. Yeah. Rehashing Swagger and Rusev. Oh, joy. I'm sorry. So you said this show was good because I'm, I'm trying to figure out at what point it's getting good. It came off better on TV, I guess. And now that I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, I think the presentation was good last night. Maybe I'm just not doing it justice. I mean, compa compared to last week, a test pattern would have been good. So I'm being a little generous. I mean, to quote JR, you're making it sound like it's tougher than a $2 steak. You know, I'd rather eat a $2 steak than fucking watch this show at this point. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's not coming off right. I just, uh, I'm trying my best here. But now that I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't that great. Ms. Dow versus Fernando. Yay. And Ms. Who? Dow wins. Fernando? With... Yeah. Who the Ms. fuck Dow. is Fernando? Fernando, excuse me. Okay. One of the uh, half of uh, what do you call Los Matadores. Oh, see, I, see, for a minute there, I thought Fernando <laughs> was, was basically mimicking Diego. And, and, and so it was kind of a, you know, I thought that was going to be funny. What? But, but then I realized that Fernando and Diego look alike. So there you go. Oh, man. Yeah, Ms. Dow versus Fernando. Well, you said Fernando. I, I know. Wanna, I, I, know. I just want to make sure that, that that's what's happening here because you lost me. No, it was Sandow versus himself. He was dressed as both guys, okay? Now, here's where it gets interesting. Ms. Dow wins with the figure four. Miz is celebrating on the outside until Jimmy Uso comes out. 
and slaps the shit. And I'm not talking about like slapping another man. I mean like slapping someone like a bitch. He slaps the shit out of Miz and says, stay the hell away from my wife. Which I thought was funny. You don't be messing with the Usos girl, man. No, I'm telling you, bro, if you didn't see that, he fucking, he pimp slapped his ass. Pimp. Uh, he should have just had the glove, man. The, the way he slapped that boy, he should have just had the glove. But we have R-Truth versus Bray Wyatt. Why, I don't know. Bray, of course, kills fucking R-Truth. He wins with the sister Abigail, starts throwing chairs in the ring. And he starts to tell us a story about Jacob and how he climbed his ladder to heaven. But when he climbs the ladder, he's just going to laugh at all these insects like Ambrose. And all I see is tables, ladders, and chairs. But of course, Dean Ambrose interrupts. Dean comes out, he puts Bray Wyatt on the announce table and climbs a ladder, but Bray manages to get out of the way. Dean jumps on him anyway, but not through the table. And then Dean Ambrose is the first person since his character's debut who got to Bray Wyatt by going in the ring and breaking apart his beloved rocking chair, which Bray Wyatt sold like a million bucks. So see, John Cena all this time, he wasted with Bray Wyatt. All he had to do was break the rocking chair. I, I mean, I'm telling you. You know, can anybody remember the last time that our that, uh, truth was relevant? When was the last time he didn't just job out, like, you know, in a two-minute match? Uh, it's sad for truth. They should just call him RTG because he's like JTG. You know, it's like we always wondered, why was he still there? <laughs> and and the sad thing is I really like truth. but Me they, too. They missed the boat with him. You know, when, when he came back, it was like they were going to do something with him. You know, I really enjoyed heel truth. And the little Jimmy gimmick, like, there for a while it was clicking. It was doing really well. And, and I don't know what happened there, but, you know, to see him go from that to losing to Bray Wyatt in, like, two minutes in a complete and utter squash, that's sad. Dude, I, I, I was watching this match, and I was going to go back and watch it today and just totally forgot to just to double check. Did Truth get him one offensive move? I don't think so. What I saw was a complete and utter beatdown of our truth i don't recall seeing him get any offense again I, I didn't watch the whole show but that was when i came in and and saw it and what i saw was pretty quick and pretty violent and it was bray wyatt laying waste to our truth so to my knowledge there was no offense it was just truth was his bitch yeah speaking of a couple of bitches the fans get to vote for who AJ's partner will be against the Bella Twins. They vote for Naomi. AJ wins with the Black Widow as Nikki Bella taps out. Nice segue. Heyman is on the Tron. Yes, the Tron. He says, it's funny that Cena said Brock only comes around once a year. Christmas isn't every day. It's stupid. It defeats the purpose to have WrestleMania every day, Christmas every day. If John Cena gets by Seth Rollins, then a war-weary John Cena has to face a fresh Brock Lesnar. But if Cena loses, who becomes the number one contender then? Seth Rollins curb-stomped Brock Lesnar, and I accepted his apology, but I am rescinding that acceptance. What about Undertaker? 
Get him if you can find him. What about Sting? Line up the whole locker room to be number one contender, and Brock Lesnar will go through them all. It was a good promo. I mean, you know, it was what it was, and Heyman has his points. I'm still not sold on Brock not being there at least once a month, (laughs) you know, not defending the title. Uh, You know, I I know that, and we're going to talk about the Vince McMahon, uh, you know, Stone Cold podcast later on in the program because it, that was addressed. And I don't agree. I agree that he is a special attraction. But you don't put your title on a special attraction and let him be gone for three fucking months. That's horseshit. You know, again, I said this from the beginning. I was very for them putting the title on Brock Lesnar as long as they worked out dates for him to be there leading up to WrestleMania. You know, he wins the title. They make this announcement that, oh, they they now have a, an agreement with Brock where they can add dates to his contract and they have to pay him extra for it, which I thought, oh, that's great. That means he'll be there at least once a month. He'll be there at the pay-per-view. He'll show up on a Raw every once in a while. Didn't happen. Yeah, and some people say, oh, well, Brock is a huge draw. Well, that's fine. When a he's huge, there... But- Exactly. (laughs) You know, he is a huge fucking draw. They've completely dropped the ball with Brock Lesnar. What he should be doing, and Vince made this comment last night, well, you know, if he runs through all the baby faces on the roster, then what do you do? What do you mean, what do you do? If he runs through all the baby faces, that means that the baby face that beats him is a goddamn made man. How the fuck does that escape your fucking vast knowledge of wrestling? Like, seriously, Vince, what the fuck, man? When Punk says he's out of touch, I completely fucking agree. The guy has no idea how to fucking book wrestling anymore. He's completely lost his goddamn mind. Yeah, and plus Cena. I mean, what heel on the roster hasn't been beaten by Cena? I know it's a little different when a face is involved, but it's the same thing. I mean, how, I agree with you 100%. I mean, how can you say that? Look, you could have had this laid out nicely. You, he beat John Cena. He had that match with Cena. Obviously, they made it out where Cena was going to win, and, and you know you had the big snafu where Rollins or whatever got involved that didn't happen. You know They could have had a rematch where maybe Brock beat Cena, or maybe you could have transitioned him into a feud with Big Show where he could have beat Big Show, you know, leading off to what happened to them earlier in the year. You could have put him in there with just about anybody that's a baby face on that roster and had him completely kill them completely kill them until he gets to wrestlemania and gets beaten by reigns or ryback or whoever the fuck they're gonna put in the ring with him yeah who knows at this point i mean i you know i, I don't understand i mean if rollins beat cena wouldn't rollins be the number one contender i mean i know he's got money in the bank but what happens it's, let's let's say by some miracle which ain't gonna happen rollins gets a win over cena well, then who's the number one contender? We just pick someone out of a hat or we have a tournament? Well, I mean, I would assume Rollins. If, if Rollins beats Cena at the pay-per-view, doesn't that make him the number one contender? If your number one contender beat, gets beat by this guy, then why the fuck not? I don't know. It, it's, it's all confusing. It really is. It's, I wish wrestling was simple again. You know, I know it's sports entertainment. That, that's my first mistake. I said wrestling. 
that, that that's that that's where I'm missing the boat. It's not wrestling. It hasn't been wrestling for a long fucking time. It's sports entertainment. Now do you understand why the two shows in a week that I make sure that I watch are Lucha Underground and NXT. Everything else I could give a shit about. Those are the only two shows I care to watch anymore because I'm tired of my intelligence being insulted. I'm tired of being treated like a fucking five-year-old. I hear you, man. I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand the way shit is booked, like with Brock. And now he's not even going to be on Raw next week, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. Let's get to the main event. I'm going to run through this in record time. John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, and Ryback versus Rollins, Kane, and Harper. It was a good match where Cena got isolated for a lot of the match. Harper gets a two count on Cena. He's isolated again. The match actually ends with Dolph Ziggler again getting the fucking win, which I marked out for. But now everyone goes nuts. It's a Pier 6 brawl. The Big Show comes out. Rowan comes out to intercept the Big Show with a set of steel stairs and kills everybody with them. And in a move that I'm sure had Shawn Michaels wiping a tear away from his eye in Texas. Dolph Ziggler super kicks the Big Show's fucking head off his shoulders and then an attitude adjustment to to show by John Cena and then show is further killed with the steel stairs to end Raw. Show got killed. He might not be back next week. Good. They should sell it. They should sell that he's not back, you know. Again, I think they're doing a great job with Ziggler, finally. I don't think it's going to last long term. As soon as they bring Reigns back, Ziggler's push is kaput. As soon as they bring anybody back, Ziggler's push is kaput. So, you know, it's nice to see him get that recognition right now. But it's hard for me to jump on the bandwagon, even though I don't need to. I've been on Ziggler's, you know, bandwagon this entire time. I just feel like... The moment we all start to, to get behind Ziggler, they'll fucking pull the rug out from underneath him. No, that super kick was beautiful. There's few people who I'll accept the super kick from. But, I mean, James Storms is okay, kind of low. But fucking Ziggler, man, I, I that kick, that's one that I cringed. I was like, Jesus, you know. Yeah, show got killed. He got his ass kicked. Well, and he deserved to, so that's all good. So letter grade wise, what would you give the show? Um, like I said, man, I just don't know why. As I as I listen to my own presentation, it doesn't seem the show was as good as I thought. Uh, I enjoyed the brawl at the beginning. I enjoyed the brawl at the end. I loved, absolutely loved the Bray Wyatt Dean Ambrose shit. That was that was segment of the fucking night, probably. I'll give the show a B. Just because I was pleasantly surprised that it was better than last week, but then again, so would a, a root canal have been fucking better than last week. So I'll give it a B. It wasn't too bad. Well, from the limited, what, the two hours that I watched, uh, I'll give it a D for I don't give a fuck. I really wasn't impressed. I mean, aside from the main event, I, I really didn't care. There wasn't anything on this show that I thought was great. I just didn't give a shit, so I'll give it a D. Well, that's fine. I mean, you and I, you and I 
aren't always going to agree. That's fine. It's it's good that we see things differently sometimes. Like I said, I, I think maybe I felt a little spoiled because of, of how bad, you know, I, I felt really shitty that we couldn't do Unplugged last week, unfortunately. But the only thing I was relieved is that I didn't have to relive Raw. I actually took those notes and used a computer program that permanently deletes something so you can never get it again to delete those notes. That's how bad Raw was last week. And let me preface last week while we didn't do a show. Uh, It's really this simple. Uh, I got back from my deliveries, the shop, last week. And this was right at 5 o'clock. And the guy that is my immediate supervisor, he's a really cool dude, he works in the parts department, was slammed with a truck. And we couldn't leave the the stuff outside. We had to bring it in. We had a limited amount of uh, space to put it in. And at first I told him I couldn't stay because I had a show. And then... I changed my mind because I couldn't just leave him hanging. You know, I would think he'd do the same for me. So I stayed an hour and helped him out. That's why there was no show last week. I'd have done the same thing. Good for you, because when you're especially when you're at a new job, you make yourself that guy. You know, that guy who's willing to, to do a little extra because bosses remember that shit. So I don't blame you one bit. I'd have done the exact same thing, probably. It was the right thing to do. So that's why there was no show last week. What do you mean he got slammed with a truck? He literally got, do you mean he got hit by a truck? No, no. He got slammed as in he had a shipment from a truck. He had like lots of pallets. Oh, I thought like the poor motherfucker got run over or something. No, 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 no. No, like literally we we got a truckload of stuff with like several pallets worth of stuff. And this was like right at five o'clock when we were clocking out, like we were fixing to leave. You know, and so we had to stay and take care of it. It was it was crazy. Yeah, because at first you're like he got slammed by a truck, but you know I no, wasn't no, I, sure. I don't, I don't mean he got hit by a truck when I say slammed. I mean like we were slammed because we got hit with a truck. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, sorta. I got you. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking hit you with a truck, motherfucker. Uh, but anyway, that, that's why there was no show, and and obviously we didn't do one later in the week because I was busy. I couldn't find time to do it, and and so that's why we didn't do a show last week. And, yeah. and and that could happen again. And I will try to give you guys as much notice, uh, you know, as I can. But right now, the, I'm trying to get adjusted to the schedule. And, uh, you know, like I told Bronx, I literally had less than an hour to put the show together tonight. So, yeah, you know. It's all good. Um, it's all good. It's all good. But, yeah, that was raw. I guess we reacted to it, so that's it. Yeah, we reacted. It probably wasn't the greatest reaction, but uh, we did react. So let's go ahead and take our next commercial break. We come back. We're going to talk some Lucha Underground. We're going to bring Anthony uh, Anthony Farley on the program, AFART, to talk some uh, NXT. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. But you're listening to SNS Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll be back with more right after this. Come get on the Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brian Williams, senior game designer at 2K Sports, and you're listening to SNS Radio Network with my man, Jeff Jackson.
Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Are you looking for the latest wrestling news? Well, then you should check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for the newsletter. It's been around for 16 years. It's one of the longest running newsletters on the internet today. Comes right to your inbox three to four times a week, depending on how busy the news week is. Want that access on your phone? They also have mobile apps for your iOS, Apple, and BlackBerry. The archives of all the unplugged shows, as well as columns. You can also follow WrestlingOnline.com on Twitter, at WrestlingOnline. Or check them out on Facebook, www.facebook slash WrestlingOnline. It's that simple. Wrestling-Online.com is the official news source of the SNS Radio Network. And perhaps you should make it your official news source as well. Once again, that's www.wrestling-online.com. Hey guys and girls, this is Ashley Richardson, and you can join me here on the SNS Radio Network every week for SNS Sticks and Flicks, where we cover video gaming news, whether it be handhelds, mobiles, last generation PC, or the next gen of the Wii U, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. Did somebody say 4? No, I didn't mean you 4. Anyway, there's also movie and entertainment news, as well as perhaps the occasional review, and I'll give you the lowdown on whether it's the right movie or show for you. Did somebody say four? Look, I didn't mean you four. Just go away, okay? There's also a possibility of other stuff being on the show. It could be sports, it could be politics, it could be news, it could be what I had for lunch. Yeah, I don't know, but it'll be all for you. Nothing? Seriously, nothing? Anyway, all that on SNS Sticks and Flicks here on the SNS Radio Network, and all for free. Did somebody say free? Ah, I'm done. What? Was it something I said? Xbox 360 and PS3 on October 28th, and on Xbox One and PS4 on November 18th.
Welcome back to Unplugged with Bronxzilla, Tony J. Marabella, and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, on the SNS Radio Network. Right here, the SNS Radio Network. You're listening to Unplugged. I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. He is Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella. Yes, sir. And that was Mr. Mister. Is it love? Mm-hmm. And our great, great radio announcing lady. Yes, the first lady of the SNS Radio Network, Harmony Boom Boom Jackson. Yes, who re-intros every segment here on Unplugged. She is the voice of Unplugged. I mean, I know that I am, but she's like the real voice of Unplugged. Right. I'm just a guy who shows up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're, you're the co-voice of Unplugged. So we, we've got the real voice, the voice, and the co-voice. What does that make, Anthony? Who? Oh, Fartley. Excuse me. Who? You hear me. Who is this Anthony character you speak of? I don't know who you're talking about. Some guy I hang out with every week. I don't know. You must be desperate. Wow. <laughs> I guess you could say that makes us the real voices of wrestling, right? Oh, but um bum bum. There you go. I ain't touching that shit with a ten foot pole or a ten foot chin. Do I have your attention yet? Pipe bomb. Oh, you just died of a staph infection. I'm doing the show solo. Oh, my God. All right, let's 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 move on. We have lots to talk about. Let's go ahead and, and, and jump into what happened last week on Lucha Underground. And I got to say, guys, if you're not watching the show, you need to be because uh, we are going to start covering this every week on the program. I'm loving Lucha Underground. I mean, just right off the bat. What, we're four or five shows in, and I, I'm really digging this show. But we start things off with a video package that basically gets us up to date on what happened uh, the previous week. We start the show off with Conan, who is in the office of Dario Cueto, who I think is an awesome guy. And like his character, the, the character development for, for, for Dario Cueto is awesome. Like he reminds me of like, um, I'm trying to think, like uh, like a Spanish drug lord or something, you know, like like a mafioso. A little bit, a little bit of Scarface in there. Not too, too obvious, but yeah, I get what you're saying. So Conan basically says that he stopped Prince Puma from coming to his office because Puma wanted to crack his skull wide open after the attack by Cisco and Cortez last week. To which Cueto says, "Hey, that wasn't me. I did not send them. That was Big Rick. Big Rick controls those guys." Um, so Conan says, "Well, if that's the truth." 
then uh, he'd have no problem putting together a match between Prince Puma and Big Rick. Cueto asked Conan if what he has in mind, and he says a Boyle Heights street fight. Yeah, explain Boyle Heights to me. That went over my head. Apparently, Boyle Heights means street fight. I don't know. That's that's just what, what I get out of it. So they're going to have a Boyle Heights match, which is a street fight in the main event. Cueto says that he'll drink to that. Conan takes a drink and then walks out. Our first match is Mil Mortes, or Mil Mor. I can't even pronounce his name right. Mil Mortes, which is Man of a Thousand Deaths, versus Drago. And if you haven't seen Mil Mortes, he's just this big fucking huge luchador. He's like the Undertaker, basically, of, of this company. Uh, you know, they did an origin story with him where I think it was the 1985 earthquake in Mexico City and his family and his relatives were all killed and he he managed to survive living in the rubble for days and he was surrounded by thousands of people that had died. So that's that's his name, like man of a thousand deaths. So that, wow. that's, that's what it translates into. So it, it's cheesy, but I like it. I like where they're going because when wrestling was cheesy, it was fucking good, folks. Yeah, it's dark as fuck, though. I'll tell you that. I mean, you want to talk about a dark storyline. I mean, yeah, it might be cheesy, but I mean, fuck. Well, muertes, yeah, I know that's death. So mil, I don't know if that translates to thousand. I don't don't know. Anyway, it's supposed to be man of a thousand deaths, right? So, um, like I said, he's like the Undertaker-type character of the show. Drago is awesome. Uh, he's this really cool luchador with this really cool like uh, like dragon outfit. He's got this really awesome mask, and he's got this fucking black gelatin like tongue that that comes out of his mouth that like oozes black shit. Like his fucking, they've done a great job with not only the production but the costumes for these characters. Because I'm really digging Drago just the look alone. I mean his wrestling skills aside. The, this guy, this character is fucking awesome. It's kind of like, <clears throat> excuse me, Ultimo Dragon meets Venom, something like that. Kinda, you know. But it's like, like I said, the way that this is shot and, and and the character design, I'm really digging. So anyway, we start the match off. Uh, Muertes attacks Drago from behind, kind of taking over. He throws him into the uh, ring ropes, attempts a clothesline. Uh, Drago flips over him and hits him with a few kicks. Uh, Mortez throws him into the turnbuckle, goes for the splash. Drago moves. Drago hits a corkscrew crossbody from the top rope, which was awesome. Goes for the pin, only gets a one count. Uh, Mortez hits a standing power slam and throws Drago to the outside. Uh, we see King Cuerno, who made his debut the following week, uh, the previous week, excuse me. And this was his debut match against Drago. And Drago actually got the win. Now, King Cuerno is like uh, a hunter. He's a stalker. You know, he comes out and he's got like this fucking deer head, you know, with, with antlers and shit that he wears down to the ring and a fucking deer, uh, deer cape that goes with it. And Drago ended up beating him last week or the previous week. And so Cuerno is like stalking him as the match is going on. And Mil Muertes is just basically beating the crap out of Drago at this point. 
Uh, Drago does get the upper hand. He hits a springboard DDT, only comes up to a one count. He comes off the top rope, uh, but he gets speared out of the air by Mil Muertes. Muertes picks up Drago and hits the flatliner and gets the one, two, three. Uh, so very dominant win for Mil Muertes. Yeah, it was it was a good match. And the characters, like you said, are so over the top. It's like it, it's like you said, it's cheesy, but it's it's good. It's a good kind of cheesy. It's like really old school when it was like ridiculous. It's like they're cartoon characters. Yes. Like I said, I'm liking that, that Mil Mortes is like the, the monster. He's like the Undertaker slash Kane. I almost feel like he should be doing the tombstone as opposed to the flatliner because I think the finish is kind of weak for him. I would expect him to use a more power move, you know, like a power bomb or, um, you know, Tombstone would be great for him. But, I mean, there would be too many Undertaker comparisons probably. Uh, but but I am digging the character. Well, not only that, you know, the, with, with the, you know, notorious, you don't see a lot of pile drive type style moves anymore. So I kind of understand maybe why they want to get away with that. And they don't want to be accused, like you said, uh, you know, you know, the IWC, oh, it's a ripoff for the Undertaker. God damn it. You know. Yeah, and the the other thing about Mil Mortes that I like is that he's got uh, the former Maxine is his manager slash valet, and she she does the mind games with his opponents. Usually she'll try to, you know, she'll try to get a kiss from from the opponent, you know, so they can taste what death tastes like before Mil Mortes kills them, basically. Uh, so I'm really digging the whole you know uh, package of of obviously Mil Mortes. And uh, and Katrina or uh, yeah, I think it's her name, Katrina. Uh, so it, it just it really works with those two. Do you find it interesting? And I wonder how on purpose this was done. That his storyline is based off of a disaster, and she's called Katrina. There is irony there. I think. I got to feel a little bit of purposeful irony, maybe. Very true. Uh, they put together this package for Johnny Mundo, uh, and it's really cool the way that this is shot and produced. He says, because he can do things others can't, he's been at the edge of greatness. He talks about politics got in the way before, obviously shooting at the WWE when he refused to kiss ass. He took his ball and went home. He said when he heard about Lucha Underground and how they wanted the best luchas and fighters in the world, they were speaking his language. He says his time in hell with politics he's going past the edge of greatness he will be greatness very well produced promo package for johnny mundo i'm liking that uh that he is one of the focal points of this company i mean we've said so many times on different programs whether it was wrestling news live or unplugged or any other program how much we really enjoy john morrison's in-ring stuff i mean the guy is one hell of an acrobat he might not have the greatest promo skills in the world. He's getting better, but I'm liking that he's a focal point of this promotion. He's one of the main event guys, and uh, I think he's doing a tremendous job there. But, the, again, the the way that they shoot these promos is fucking fantastic. Well, the thing about Johnny, and I mean this in a good way, and I didn't mention this when he was on, on, on Plug because I did thought he might take it the wrong way. But when he left WWE... And he did like all that funny shit where he did the rap battle with the Undertaker and stuff. He proved he's a little bit of a ham. He he's he he's funny and good on the mic when you give him like these skits and stuff to do. Like you said, a straight up promo, maybe not the best guy in the world, but I think 
He's got like a great sense of humor, a great presence. I, I still think WWE could have done so much more with him. But, hey, it be what it be. No doubt. We have another backstage promo with Dario Cueto. He approaches Mil Moretes and Katrina and says uh, it was a fantastic victory over Drago. Katrina says that Muertes learned a long time ago you can't keep darkness locked away forever. And, of course, Dario Cueto walks off. We get back to the ring. We've got Son of Havoc, uh, who is introduced. He's also with Ivelisse, who you might remember from the TNA gut check a few years ago. And the interesting thing is both TNA and WWE passed on her, and I don't understand why, because I think she's a hell of an in-ring talent. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Matt Stryker mentions, uh, you know, Havoc's match against Sexy Star a couple weeks ago, and we find out that his opponent for tonight is going to be Masquerita Sagrada. Go ahead. Hmm? Oh, sorry. I thought you were were going to say something. You you paused there for a second. So, Um, Obviously, we don't know. Masquerita Sagrada is is a mini. Uh, He's a... uh, uh, what's what's the proper term? I don't want to say midget because I feel like that's the wrong term. He's a smaller person, and I think maybe I'm wrong here, but isn't Masquerita Sagrada actually Max Mini from the WWE? Oh God, I I barely remember who the fuck that is. Because Ma- like they wear the same out, like it looks like the same uniform, the same outfit. Uh, this is this is a pretty good match. I mean, you know, Son of Havoc tries to dominate him. In the end, however. Uh, Sagrada goes for a tilt-a-whirl head scissors, and he modifies it to where he goes through the legs of Havoc and then rolls him up uh, for the pin. So he gets the three count. So your winner is Masquerita Sagrada. Yeah, I'm trying to think what we could call him that's politically correct. Little Luches. Mini, I, I think minis work. I mean, I, I just I feel better about that. But this is this is a show where you're going to see guys wrestle women you're going to see minis versus you know uh full-size wrestlers so i mean they've really been throwing you know different styles into the mix and i'm liking it yeah the next match had me you know i just started watching lucha recently the next match i was like really wow where we had sexy star versus chavo uh, Sandro is telling me that the the current Masquerita Sagrada has been wrestling in AAA since 2007. The last person who played the character was El Torito from the WWE. So there you go. Really? That's interesting. Well, that's the kind of shit Sandro would know. Well, he is one of the hosts of the whole indie show, and so he keeps up with that stuff. So there you go. Indeed. Let's see. Back to the action uh, we have Sexy Star make her way out. Stryker says uh, there's something irresistible about a woman who has power and strength. I mean, that's her whole gimmick is, you know, she's an empowered woman. Uh, I, I like Sexy Star. She seems pretty cool. She basically, this is her getting revenge on Chavo Guerrero because, you know, a couple weeks ago, Chavo laid her ass out with a fucking chair. Ooh, sick. Yeah, I mean, that was like, and we had just interviewed Chavo like a week or two ago. And I'm like, oh, my God, did we get kayfabe? you know? <laughs> that motherfucker turned heel. When he hit that bitch with the chair, I was like, damn, okay? It wasn't like, hey, I'm hitting a female. Let me try to pull back a bit. <laughs> Shit. You know, when the match first begins, he does a very harsh pie face to Sexy Star. I was like, holy fuck, man. 
Yeah, I he mean, pushed the bitch down. Oh, he did push the bitch down. Uh, he rubs her face into the turnbuckle. He grabs her and gives her a kiss, and then she slaps the shit out of him. Uh, Chavo runs toward her. She avoids contact, hits him with a head scissors. Chavo goes to the outside. Star goes to the outside, gets a chair. Uh, and Chavo is pleading for her to put the chair down, not to use it. Star then kicks the ref in the midsection and gets disqualified. So Chavo Guerrero wins this match by disqualification. Uh, I don't think it was the midsection. If I recall, and mind you, this was soon after Thanksgiving, and I was kind of drunk when I watched Lucha Underground. I think she kicked his balls into his chin. She, <laughs> she, she kicked his balls into orbit, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was cool. I mean, you knew that, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Intersexual match it wouldn't last that long. Intergender? Intergender, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, not intersexual. That, that sounds fucking crazy. But, I mean, it was fucking, I mean, he just, like you said, the beginning where he's just, you know, he, he he's putting his hands on her like that shit that would get you arrested outside of wrestling if you did that to a woman. That's just like I mean, some borderline rapist shit going on there. I know, bro. It's like they, they just don't they don't care. It, it's very, very cutting edge, to say the least. Pentagon Jr. enters the ring and takes the chair from uh, Sexy Star. He looks toward Chavo and then in the direction of uh, Sexy Star. Chavo grabs Star by the hair, uh, pulls her away from the buckle. Out comes Phoenix and kicks the chair into Pentagon's face, almost like a Van Daminator. I thought it was fucking fantastic. He then kicks Chavo in the head, knocking Chavo to the outside. Phoenix throws Sexy in the air, and she hits a Hurricane Rana on Pentagon. Sexy Star goes to the outside, and Chavo retreats up the stairs. Uh, this was very good. Phoenix is a fucking bad motherfucker. He is becoming one of my favorite luchadors. I'm really enjoying Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, that was the first time I think I've seen him. And it was it, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's all... Seriously? Did you not see the triple threat match when they when they debuted? It was Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. and Drago. It was weeks ago. If you haven't seen that fucking triple threat, bro, you need to go back and watch it. I saw the I saw the Lucha the week before this one, the one we're talking about now. But I think the one you're talking about was like, what, two weeks ago? I don't think I saw that one. Shifty in the chat room. Sexy star, kick your ass. Sexy star, kick your face. Sexy star, kick your balls into outer space. Which which is like that fucking, uh, obviously that's from Short Circuit 2. The Los Lobos or Los Gringos or whatever the fuck that, that gang was that had uh, Johnny Five stealing all those car stereos. Yeah, she is fucking hot, I tell you that. But but she can kick ass. So I give, you know, I give credit where it's due. I think it was cool that, you know, she wanted to get revenge on Chavo. Not my man. I want to get that motherfucker. Next up, we have our main event, which is a Boyle Heights street fight. Good uh, luck with this shit. <laughs> yeah, the Melissa Santos is the announcer. She uh, basically uh, says it's no disqualification and anything goes. Out comes Big Rick with Cisco and Cortez. Uh, Big Rick, uh, excuse me, Big Rick once again puffing on a cigar. Um, you know what he reminds me of? I mean, obviously, he's the former Ezekiel Jackson, but but you know who he reminds me of, honestly? He reminds me of a character from one of my favorite wrestling games back in the day. Did you, did you ever see or play Def Jam Vendetta? 
No, and I know most of the old wrestling games. Okay, this this was made with the the same engine that was on No Mercy. It was the Aki engine. Oh, okay. And this this was made by uh, Electronic Arts, and it was basically a, a Def Jam wrestling game. It had like Method Man and Red Man and uh, Ghostface Killer and some guys from Wu Tang. And um, anyway. It didn't have a creator wrestler, but it had some really off-the-wall fucking crazy shit. It had a story where, you know, you're wrestling in the underground circuit in New York. And, and Big Rick reminds me of the boss character, D-Mob. Like, if he was wearing fucking suits and shit, he could be the fucking live, the living embodiment of D-Mob from Def Jam Vendetta. I'm going to have to get a picture of that and compare him. You know, Shifty says he, he was basically the Suge Knight of, of Def Jam. And, and Def Jam, obviously, uh, one of my favorite video games to play. That was, that was a badass game. Oh, he didn't, like, shoot the other rappers, did he? No, <laughs> he didn't shoot them, but he beat the shit out of them. Okay, just want to make sure. But anyway, that's, that's who he reminds me of. He reminds me of D-Mob from, from Def Jam Vendetta. Anyway, um, so Puma comes out, uh, crowd solidly behind Puma. Lots of action happened this one. Too much for me to actually call. At one point, uh, Puma hits a tornado DDT. At one point, uh, Big Rick clotheslines the fuck out of him. I mean, he kills him with a goddamn clothesline. Uh, you have Cortez and Cisco run in um, and start beating the crap out of Puma. Uh, Johnny Mundo comes in from the fucking balcony. He jumps from the balcony to the fucking ring. And does this fucking flip and then takes out uh, Big Rick. Yeah, there's something wrong with that boy. I love him to death, but dude, you know, your life, just a reminder. Well, like he, he, he literally, we're talking like a 15 feet away thing. So he's 15 feet up. He, he jumps off of this, does this flip, lands in the ring, does a springboard kick to Big Rick. He then attacks Cisco and Cortez. Uh, frees Puma, who was trapped in the ladder. Mundo throws the ladder onto Cortez and Cisco. Uh, Big Rick hits Mundo with a cane. Mundo takes him down to the mat. Mundo beats Rick down to the ring. Mundo gets uh, gets to hit Rick with the chair, misses, and he instead hits Prince Puma, which if you think about it, they're setting something up here because Conan has been telling Prince Puma to stay away from Johnny Mundo because he's bad news. And now, accidentally, he hits Puma with the chair. So you kind of see where this is going. Oh, yeah, classic. I mean, come on. <laughs> of course, th this is what changes the whole tide of this as uh, Cisco and Cortez and Big Rick just destroy both Puma and Johnny Mundo. And your winner, of course, ends up being Big Rick after Puma is driven through a table by Big Rick. Yeah, these guys, <clears throat> it's a shame that, you know, this network that they're on. I mean, I never have a problem finding the show. Someone usually even puts it on SNS, so you never really have to look for it. But, I mean, it, it is a shame that this isn't, like, average, I don't know, like the mainstream wrestling fan maybe doesn't know about this show, which is, like, really a fucking shame. They managed to do more in an hour than Raw does in three. Way more. And, you know, it's like back in the day when people used to bitch that, oh, you got to give TNA a break because they only have two hours a week. Well, 
you know, cry me a river. It's nonstop. They don't, there's no break where you you can go take a piss. There's nothing like that. If you, if you step away for two seconds, you'll miss something. Absolutely. Like I said, you know, I, and, and you know, in a one hour timeline, you've actually got 45 minutes of action. You know, you're going to see two or three matches. You're going to see some backstage promos. Everything ties together. It really is a great alternative to WWE. And I really want them to succeed with this show. Because I'm really digging season one. We know they're confirmed for a season two. And it looks like they're going to be bringing in possibly Alberto Del Rio. They've already made mention of him on, t- on, you know, on the show uh, as El Patron. So it seems like they're heading in that direction. You know, we might see Rey Mysterio somewhere down the road. We'll see new Luchadors debut. I really think this is a great alternative to WWE, to TNA, to anything out there. I, I This is one of my favorite shows. If I miss this show in a week, I'm disappointed. This is the one wrestling show that I have to watch outside of NXT. So if there's two hours a week of wrestling that I'm going to watch, it's going to be NXT and it's going to be Lucha Underground. I promise you that. I just hope that they like these guys be, you know, they're, they're a little more careful, maybe. I mean, I know it's choreographed, but like some of the shit you see on here, like this main event, you know, some of the shit you see, you're like, God, one mistake and you're fucked. You know, it's just it's high octane nonstop. It is. And it's refreshing to have a commentary team that actually calls the match that isn't focused on cutting each other down the entire hour and one upping each other. Vampiro and Stryker are really doing a great job. They've got good chemistry together. They're calling the action. Uh, again, I can't say enough good things about this show. I know it seems like I'm a huge homer for them, and I kind of am because they're giving me wrestling. They're giving me something that I'm enjoying. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of other wrestling programs out there right now that are. So I have become a uh, Lucha Underground superfan. I, I have no problems admitting that. And we will be covering the show every week on this program from now on. Fucking Russo even put them over. I saw an interview he did a few weeks back, and even he put them over. And he's like, that's how you do it. You just go in the ring, bing, bam, boom, one hour, they're done. Yep. And he's right. I, I got to give him props. He's, he's, he's right for that, you know. And I hope at some point that they maybe do something on the El Rey Network website. Or maybe they have it where you can watch the shows. For those that don't have the L Ray Network, I think that would be great if they did that. If they actually had it where you could watch it online, I think that that would uh, eliminate the middleman. I mean, uh, you know, I'm thankful that I can catch it on YouTube every week, but uh, I'm bummed I don't have the L Ray Network, to be honest. Well, I mean, I, I think, man, see, I want them to put it online, but I'd also like them to make a dime off of it, too. But maybe putting it free might be the way to go. And maybe I'll throw a little advertising in there, you know, like Hulu does. Have maybe a minute commercial every 10 minutes that you can't skip. I could live with that. Well, you know, I keep thinking once their season's done, they'll probably put it on, like, uh, on Netflix. Because from dusk till dawn, the TV series, uh, the first season is on Netflix. So, you know, and that's an El Rey show. So, I don't know. We'll, We'll see what happens. But... In the meantime, man, I'm digging it, and you know I want to spread the word. If you're not watching Lucha Underground, give it a try. I guarantee you, you watch you know any show that they've done, and it, you'll be interested in the product. It will pique your interest. I promise you. You know that's a great fucking idea that I never even thought of because Netflix has a few original series now too. 
it would be cool. I mean, if you really think about it, WWE, they're taking a lot of their shit off of Netflix now that they have the network. TNA, which they were fucking imbeciles for never getting their stuff on their pay-per-views and shit on streaming Netflix. Yeah, that, that would be groundbreaking because Netflix has, at last count, something like 3 billion fucking subscribers. <laughs> so... You know, you put in your interest when you first sign up for wrestling. I mean, I mean for Netflix, you type in wrestling and bang, Lucha pops up. Hey, fuck it, I'll watch it. Well, it's something that uh, that we'll see what happens with it, you know? Yeah, it's a good idea, Netflix. I didn't think of that. It's a real good idea. Uh, that being said, uh, letter grade for the show, what do you think? Uh, man, I, I just, I have to give it a straight up A. You know, I've only been watching it for like two weeks now. I may have to go back and watch the first couple of episodes that I missed. Um, but I'm I'm definitely digging it. I mean, it's just, it's fun. I mean, it's it's an hour. I mean, it's even something I can, you know, watch at work if I want to, once I find it on the internet. So, you know, it's cool. Like you said, really 45 minutes if you watch the version with the commercials cut out. So it's it definitely cool, man. I like the lighting like the announcing. I still think most of the people who work for that company are out of their fucking minds with what they do, <laughs> but it's entertaining. I'll give it an A for awesome. 45 minutes. 45 minutes and Raw can't make shit out of three hours most times. Yep. Farley, this is your cue to call in, buddy. Now, yeah. again, uh, it's it's a great uh, alternative to WWE, it's an alternative to TNA, and I hope TNA turns their shit around. I mean, this Destination America deal that they have, we'll see. You know, supposedly this this network wants to build around them and they want to do stuff with them, maybe add more shows. Uh, you know, I'd like to see TNA get off to a good foot, but I don't feel like they're ever going to get anywhere with Dixie Carter as the head of their company. You know, that's just my opinion. Well, what's what the shame is in all of this? is they lose this TV deal. And I will say, I've been enjoying their storylines. Their storylines have been pretty decent over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, you know, I miss some of the guys that unfortunately left. But what the with the extremely limited talent pool that they have right now, I've been liking the storylines. I've been actually digging Impact the last few weeks. So let's hope that that carries over onto this new network and they don't get complacent and say, oh, we have two years to, you know, sit on our heels. We can just become shit again. Yeah. Well, joining us on the Skype line, he is uh, the, uh, what's the best word I can use to describe him? He's the, help me out here, Bronx. Come on, give me something. He is the other guy on getting the zone. Wow, the other guy I'd get in the zone. He's the host of the NXT Rewind. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for AFART, Anthony Farley. What's going on? Hey there, JJ and Bronx. And Bronx, you said it's only an hour to watch Lucha and it's okay, yet you don't have the time to watch NXT? Motherfucker, I'm improving, okay? With as much as I ate and drank over the holiday, lucky I watched that. Yeah, likely. We're not lucky that you don't watch stuff, like... You know, if you want to watch like you know a good product, then you'll you'll fucking take the time out and watch it. I mean, I would recommend skipping Raw every week and watching NXT, but that's just me. I would love to do that, but then how do we fucking cover Raw? That's the I'm fuck. not doing it. 
I, I, I guess we won't. Oh, no, you'll do it if we ask you to. <laughs> no, 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 no. What we'll do is we'll cover Raw in like 10 minutes. It'll be like the, the, the rapid rewind. You know, not, not the rapid rewind, but it'll be like the rapid reaction for Raw until it gets better because it's starting to suck. I'd like to do it. JJ, were you a fan of Night Court? Yes, I love that show. Do you remember the episode where they had to, they were close to beating a record for the most cases in one day? Yes. And they've got about one minute left and fucking Dan knocks it out. Dan was the motherfucking man on that show. Oh, bro, are you kidding me? Yeah, definitely. And Bull is funny, too. Dan Fielding was the fucking pimp. That's all there is to it. And I didn't realize the guy, the actor who did it, voiced the intro for um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. John Larroquette? Yeah, apparently he's the actor who was saying the whole monologue in the beginning of the movie. You got a cold? <laughs> yeah, no, my throat was had something stuck in my throat. Hey, hey, what you do in your own personal time, I don't want to know about it. Keep that and shit no yourself. Late. Hey, Bronx, fuck off. Anyway, what, what happened last week on NXT, Anthony? Sorry, brother. All right. The first match was Tyler Breeze versus Marcus Lewis. Uh, Marcus no, is coming no, out with no ring no, no, music or anything. No, no, no. Marcus no. Louis. Thank you. It's not Marcus Lewis. It's Marcus Louis. Well, that's how it's spelled, so. Marcus Louis. He's fucking French, dude. Well, he's coming out with no ring and music, and he has a towel over his head. The ma- the bell st- uh, rings, but Tyler Breeze takes the mic and says, I can't believe I have to face the uglo of uglies. And he just keeps really killing Marcus. And he takes the towel off and tells him, just leave. Leave. Then he just hits the beauty uh, shot onto Marcus and gets the quick win. We see that Marcus is having a like a breakdown whatever in the ring but then we see that during the break he quietly walks out of the arena and completely out of the building you know shifty makes a good point in the chat you are in porn country well it has been wet lately well just remember next time you have to do a recap make sure you spit (laughs) or swallow at least it's out of your throat oh god i knew when i said that i was going to get it Damn it. All right. The next match is Carmella, who has Enzo Moore and Colin Cassidy in her corner going against uh, the returning Blue Pants, a.k.a. Leva Bates. Uh, the fans were cheering for her even before she came out for Blue Pants. The match is quickly begins and ends quickly after Carmella just takes her down with the drop, uh, drop kicks and gets a submission with her head scissors submission move. Afterwards, she hugs um, Cassidy, but when Enzo comes to get a hug as well, she just pie faces him away. Like, get the get away from me. It was good to see Blue Pants back, but uh, she tapped out pretty quick. Yeah, I'm, she's getting the reaction from the fans, but I'm like, okay, you got to do something to make probably the Carmelo's matches a bit longer. Maybe actually get probably Blue Pants as an actual name, but it's working for her right now. Continue. Oh, okay. I was like getting a reaction or something. We didn't have an interview from WD.com with Finn Bellor about having his singles match debut against Tyson Kidd. He says, heck, I'm here to make an impact. And we're, that was pretty much it. Next match is a non-title match. The NXT Tag Champs, Lucha Dragons versus Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger. The champions have the advantage quickly, hitting 
hit into a double team move, which is a wheelbarrow suplex into a senton. That gets a two. Dillinger and Jordan get a, a, the offense for a bit, but after a miscount of a double team move, the champions win after Callisto hits the Salida del Sol, which someone shortened down to the SDS, onto Jordan to get the win. Yeah, very good match. Uh, you know, I like Dillinger. Um, and what's his face? What was that? Ty Dillinger and what's the other guy? Jason Jordan. Yeah, Ty Dillinger and Jason Jordan. I, I like these two together. They they kind of remind me of like a new school version of like uh, oh fucking Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. Hmm. And but they've been saying on the commentary that um. There's possibly some issues developing maybe between Dor- Jordan and Dillinger, which I'm kind of hoping not because this is like – I'm not saying they're the best team right there, but it's a good little work team right there, those two ha- that they have. Yeah, I, I don't want to see them split up. I, I, I think that you need tag teams, especially in NXT, and, and, you know, let these guys, you know, have a run for a little bit. You know, let them be a, a tag team there at some point. Give them a, you know, give them a shot at the tag titles. Uh, I don't think they need to be breaking these guys up at this point, is my point. We get a little replay of the uh, issues between Bailey with Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch. And then we see Bailey coming out and said that, heck, I, even though I don't have a match tonight, I wanted to come out here. And even though my friend Charlotte isn't here, I'm not going to back. And she told me to stay away from Sasha. I'm not going to because I was told never to back down from bullies as they're just cowards. This, of course, brings out Sasha and Becky, who um, come into the ring. And after getting distracted by Sasha, Becky hits a dropkick to the back of Bailey's leg. And they work on her leg a little bit until the referees and trainer come out to stop her. So it might be setting up like a selling that Bailey has a leg injury or something. Probably. Um, we get another WWE.com interview, this time with Tyson Kidd and Natalia. They asked Natty how does it feel that her husband for her, his upcoming match with Finn Balor, and she says, I'm excited because it will show what my husband is cap- uh, capable of. Tyson steps in and says, hey, what the match, the tag match I had with Balor a couple weeks ago, that was all Justin Gabriel's fault that we lost. He says he's been working with his uncle, Bret Hart, and considers himself the new hitman, and feels that Balor is like some of these other guys that just come in. They're good, but they're more hype than anything. And then, and then Natty interrupts him and says, well, he's actually my uncle. And he's like, well, he's also my uncle, too. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, because we've been seeing now Tyson's been referring to himself now as a third-generation heart member. I'm like, what? I like I, it. I, I love the gimmick that they got with Tyson Kidd. I think that's fucking fantastic. I think it's kind of fucked up, though, that like I'm raw, they call him Natty's wife. I mean, Natty's husband. Well, that's, they, that, that's JBL being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you mean the usual then for JBL? Uh, we get then a, a little funny parody for the vault villains. Like they're being called to stop the villainous Lucha Dragons, who are just the minis that were on a couple weeks ago as they're going to dynamite the building. The villains stop them and they say they'll train and they'll be ready to f- uh, save the day by becoming the new tag champions. Hilarious segment, by the way. This was probably the best I've ever seen them do with the vault villains as far as like a. Uh like a promo or something. It really reminded me of like something out of Dudley Do-Right or something. Fucking great. Yeah, they had Sam Gotch, quote-unquote, fighting a bear, which I'm like, <laughs> that's pretty good. 
Um, we then have the main event, which is Tyson Kidd with Natalia versus Finn Balor. We start off, the match starts off with the two guys just having a straight up wrestling match with no one really having control until Balor is able to um, dropkick Tyson out. But when he goes for a suicide uh, dive to the outside, he stops because Tyson put Natty in front of him as a shield. They go back in the ring for a while, but when Finn tries to go for a drop kick, a springboard move, he gets drop kicked to the floor, the neck breakered. It goes, Tyson has control for a while until it's, his suplex attempt is avoided and he gets hit with a Pele kick and then a brain bust for a very close near fall. The exchange finishes for a while until Tyson goes for a springboard elbow drop only for Finn to raise his knees up to block it. He goes up to the top rope to hit a double stomp only for the Ascension to come in and attack him to cause the DQ. Uh, the beatdown continues for a while until Hideo Itami comes out and the two teams are finding each other, even though refs and um, other wrestlers are trying to separate them. And that's how they end NXT. Yeah, I hated the ending. They were having such a great match until the you know all those schmas happened. I, you know, fucking fantastic pay-per-view quality match between Finn Balor and Tyson Kidd. Yeah, I mean, it was a good match here, but at least the ending somewhat sets up for the tag match they're going to have at the upcoming special. Which is going to be awesome. Definitely. And I like that Tyson Kidd's on, on work, uh, wrestling boots. You saw they have pictures of the cat, his cats apparently now. Yeah, because his cats are a big deal. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. But overall, like I got to say, this was a good show. I mean, every match. Sir, I mean, the I didn't care for how they did the Marcus-Tyler Breeze match, but it sets, apparently setting up for whatever they're going to do for Marcus Louie down the road. Well, it also Something. gives it also gives Tyler Breeze a quick and easy win with the with the beauty shot. So you know, any time Tyler Breeze can get a fucking win on this show, I'm all for it. <laughs> and I did like how they're continuing making Becky Lynch slash Lita and Sasha Banks the more like top heel of the women's wrestlers. Yeah, I think it's working out pretty well for them. At and some I'm, point, though, Bailey has to overcome the odds. Yeah. But I'm wondering if that parent, her oh, having a knee injury is a work one or actually it's just a reason to explain that she might have a, real, a legit hurt leg or something. I think it's a work. I, I don't think she's really hurt. I think that she's playing off that she's injured. I overall, like I said, this was a good show. Every match served a purpose. And I did love that parody, little parody video, whatever they did for the bald villains. And I'm saying that. I can't wait for the upcoming special, which is, I think, take over our evolution. So, and they only have four matches, but I'm interested in all those matches coming up. Yeah, I am too. I, I'm, I'm more excited for this special than I was for any uh, WWE pay per view like uh, you know Survivor Series or, or TLC. I'm looking forward to this NXT special more so than either of those. So, yeah. And what's your thoughts of um Ke the, where they've been doing with uh, Kevin Steen, aka now being called Kevin Owens? those promos and being announced the debut at the special. Well, I'm okay with the Kevin Owens name. I mean, obviously the Owen is homage to Owen Hart. You know, he named his son Owen after Owen Hart. Uh, I think it works, you know, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he could bring. I think Kevin Steen or Kevin Owen um, has the opportunity to, to really be a big star if they use him and utilize him properly. Uh, and I look forward to seeing what he can do on NXT. But you think he's going to have a match, or you think he's just going to be out there have like a introduction promo or whatever like they did with it, Tommy? I hope they give him a match. I, I 
I think it's I like when you know going old school. I like when they debuted somebody at a pay per view, or when they debuted them, you know, and they had a match, and you could see what that guy was all about in his first match. And I think that's what they need to do here. And I'm just, yeah, it would be definitely, because they only have currently, right as of right now, four matches, but there's rumor they might have um, Baron Corbin versus Bull Dempsey as a match as well, so. Well, and they only the got case. really two hours, so I'm saying, because I want them to give the wor- their main event legit amount of time, and also the Finn, Finn and Hitami versus Ascension, plenty of time as well. Well, if they do Baron Corbin versus Bull, it'll be a five-minute match. It won't be a, a thirty-second match. I, I think it would be it would be a shame to see Baron Corbin beat Bull Dempsey in under a minute. You know, both of these guys are undefeated. Baron Corbin has had relatively short matches. He's basically just hit his finisher, and that's it. I think Bull Dempsey needs to at least, you know, I would like to see it run seven minutes uh, because I think Bull Dempsey needs to be the first test for Baron Corbin. But I think that. They're pushing Baron to the moon, and Bull Dempsey is going to lose. So we'll see what happens. Again, like, they show these guys, even though they've been having squash matches on the, for those two, they've been giving the fans interact, uh, interest like that. Because every time they see them come in, they count the like, time for the match for Corbin. And then when Bull came out right after, when his match went longer than Corbin's, they started booing him. So yeah. at least they're getting the fans' responses for this possible matchup. No doubt. So letter grade-wise, what would you give it XT this week? I give it a B. Like I said, all the matches served a purpose. And like there was some I'm like, they could have done something different, but I still liked it. Yep. And I agree with you, JJ. Uh, NXT and Lucha Underground are definitely shows you don't want to miss. Yep. They, like I said, they're the, two, they're the two shows that I don't miss in a week. You know, if it's, if it's the only two hours of wrestling that I can watch in a week, it's going to be those two shows. Great. Yeah, because like I said, you kind of have to go out of your way maybe to see Lucha Underground, but it's kind of not that hard now to do so. And NXT, you can watch on the network. So Yeah, there you go. All right, Anthony, thanks for stopping by, man. We'll talk to you later. No problem. See ya. Good job, man. Bye. All right, let's go ahead and jump into some uh, – let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll do news of the week and, and kind of wrap the show up because we do have a lot to talk about in the news. Yeah, no shit. There's going to be a lot to talk about. So you're listening to SNS Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back with news of the week and much more before we wrap this thing up. This is a total package. Lex Luger, you are on SNS. Don't miss it. of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? 
Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mind Wipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Just a reminder for you to listen to Sunday Night Showdown every pay-per-view Sunday as I'll be joined by my broadcast partner, the Bronx Father, Tony J. Mirabella, Harmony Boom Boom Jackson, and Mark the Shark DiCarlo as we provide the best pay-per-view coverage of the WWE. And it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time every pay-per-view Sunday. Sunday Night Showdown, your home. For WWE pay-per-view coverage. Hey everybody, this is the Bronx Father to tell you about the Get In The Zone podcast every weekend right here on the SNS Radio Network with myself, my co-host Anthony Farley, and bringing you the TNA recap. No, God, please, no, no! L Train. We also cover SmackDown, some news, and you might even get moments like this. Oh, my brother, testify! Wow. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow, that, that, was, that wasn't half bad. <laughs> what the f***? <laughs> to quote... See, since I'm imitating... Since I'm imitating Devon tonight, I might as well run the gamut of black wrestlers and go with Booker T. Tell me I did not just... Hear that. It's one of those things to edit. (laughs) (laughs) To edit or not to edit? That is the question. For the reaction, you cannot edit this one. Oh, shit. Anthony's dead. He's just done. (laughs) Oh, we might as well just end the show right now. So... Check out the archive every single weekend and drop us an email anytime. SNS get in the zone at gmail.com. Right here on the SNS Radio Network. The kid, you dig that. Yeah, I think I'm going crazy.
Welcome back to Unplugged with Bronxzilla, Tony J. Marabella, and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, on the SNS Radio Network. All right, we're back right here. SNS Unplugged on the SNS Radio Network. I'm Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. He's Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella, and he's also confused as to why the fuck I played that. Yeah, usually I always get any song you use for the reintro. That one blew my mind. That is from Return of the Jedi, back from 1983. It's a song called Jedi Rocks. And it was performed in Jabba's Palace. And the reason I played it is because I want to talk real quick about the latest Star Wars trailer, the teaser trailer for next year's The Force Awakens, Star Wars Episode Seven. Yeah, it's coming back to me now. I haven't seen that movie in a while. Have you seen the trailer? You know, it's funny. I didn't see the trailer. What I did see is for some reason everybody losing their fucking minds because we have a black stormtrooper. I mean, an African-American stormtrooper, not a stormtrooper wearing a black uniform. So who the fuck cares? He's not a clone. The, the, the stormtroopers we've established in, uh, in the original trilogy, the you know uh, starting in 1977 with Star Wars, A New Hope, was that they were not clones. You know, the clones were the prequel trilogy. You know, I have no problem with it. You know, and the rumor is he might not even be an actual stormtrooper. He might be a character in disguise as a stormtrooper. Doesn't matter if he's black, fucking red, green, Asian. It doesn't fucking matter. No, I don't mean people have a problem with it. It's just like people are poking so much fun at it for some reason. Like there's like a hundred fucking memes or whatever out since they have that screenshot of him just looking off in the distance at the... uh, at the desert and homeboy stars in something. I can't remember. No, what no, sh- no. He wasn't looking off in the desert. He's like troubled. Like something's going on. Like he's being chased by something. Right. Uh, but- he, he was actually, it's John Boyega and he was in attack the block, which is, which is a movie that came out, I think a year or two ago. And he plays a gang member and these fucking alien creatures basically, uh, come down from outer space and start causing chaos and, uh, it, they're attacking the block. I mean, I, I've seen it. I didn't think it was that great a movie. Uh, he's an okay actor. Uh, hopefully he does well in Star Wars. But I, I got to be honest, man, I'm stoked. I'm looking forward to Episode 7 next year. comes out December 18th, 2015, so we're a year away. And uh, the fucking trailer was just visual eye candy. 
We didn't see any of the old cast, no, no Han Solo, no Chewbacca, no Luke or Leia. We did see John Boyega. We saw Daisy Ridley, who is rumored to be the offspring of Han and Leia. Uh, but we did get to see the Millennium Falcon in the last shot being chased by uh, TIE fighters uh, dogfighting, which was pretty fucking epic. When you think about the last time you saw the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars continuity, it was in Return of the Jedi some 30 years ago. Yeah, true. So this is, they're calling it seven, so I assume it's going to go from where part, quote-unquote, six left off. It'll be about 30 years after part six, Return of the Jedi. Hmm. So this takes, that's obviously why Han, Luke, and Leia are old. It takes place 30 years after Return of the Jedi. And it's basically the passing of the torch. They're introducing a new generation. Uh, again, looks the, the teaser trailer was great. There's this R2D2 looking thing that's on a that's like uh, it's got like the head of an R2D2, and it looks like it's the bodies of like a beach ball, and it's rolling in the background in one scene. It looks looks pretty amazing, actually. I was blown away by that. And then they have the scene with the uh, possibly the Dark Lord of the Sith, whoever this character is, uh, with a new lightsaber. It's like a, a, a claymore sword. You know, you see the the one blade show up for the saber, and then it's got like the two additional blades that come out on the side, like a claymore sword. Um, I, right now, I'm just calling the guy Darth Claymore because that's what he reminds me of. But, uh, dude, I'm stoked, man! It looks good. I, I I can't wait to see more of this this year. Yeah, I saw the new lightsaber design. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's good that they're doing something different. I mean, of course. As technology evolves, you know, they're, they're going to improve on the lightsaber. So I don't have any. I know some people have been saying, oh, it's not the classic lightsaber. Well, you got to do something, you know, more futuristic. Well, and it looks unstable, too. Like it, it looks it's kind of flamey, uh, like like it's like the crystal is, you know, corrupted or something. I, I really like the look of this thing. I think it looks pretty badass. It's an interesting design. Uh, you know, we'll see what they do with it. Uh, Shifty makes a good point. Uh, Andy Serkis of Lord of the Rings fame um, and, of course, Planet of the Apes fame is actually the narrator in the trailer. And at first, the first time I heard it, I thought it was Benedict Cumberbatch because it sounds a lot like him. But uh, I've heard a couple of uh, voice recordings where someone has taken the track and they've uh, they found it to be Andy Serkis's voice, which is pretty cool. So. I can't wait to see what Andy Serkis brings to Star Wars. It's going to be awesome. Someone in chat tell me. We, we so I've seen Lord of the Rings a million times, but I can never remember like actor names. What character did he play? Bitch, so- he was Gollum. Oh, okay. He does the motion capture. And, and he does also the voice. King Kong. He did the yeah. mocap too. He does the voice for fucking Gollum. He did the motion capture for King Kong. Bitch, please. No, I know who it is exactly now. I just didn't re- link the name to which character. That's all. Because I actually have the documentary right here on my shelf where he they show how he did the mocap for a Gollum. I just forgot the name. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Anyway, if you haven't seen the trailer, check it out. It's worth checking out. Yeah, I just hope we don't get anything during the fucking thing. Yeah. My precious. You know, him like- cradling a lightsaber and shit. That'd be interesting, actually. <laughs> uh, that that could have legs. All right, well, let's go ahead and break into some news of the week. 
Sponsored by our good friends over at wrestling-online.com. I want to thank, once again, Colin Vaslow for all the hard work that he does. If you haven't checked out the site, please do so and sign up for the newsletter and join over 27,000 other subscribers who get this thing three to five times a week, depending on how busy the news week is. No, I don't want to hear that again. And now it's time for the news. Sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com Well, Bronx, there is a rumor circulating around about one of Rock's, Dwayne Johnson's newest movie roles. Have you heard about this? Actually... I I've heard of a few roles he, he's you know going to have soon, but which one is this? I hear it's like huge. Well, several movie websites have been reporting that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is being considered for the leading role in the fifth installment of Transformers, replacing Mark Wahlberg. The story making the rounds is that Johnson, along with Bruce Willis, will be brought over for a crossover story with GI Joe, as both franchises are owned by Paramount Pictures. Transformers Five is set to be released in 2017 with a new director set to take over from Michael Bay, who helmed the first four Transformers movies. The Transformers franchise is one of the best-selling franchises in Hollywood. Rock, can I just come to your house one day and just swim in your money? I don't even want to take any with me. I just want to swim in it, like Scrooge McDuck when he had his fucking money bin. Wow. Wow, to do a crossover between those two franchises. Take my money now. <laughs> you know, Rock got to be... Rock, I'm surprised Rock hasn't had to have surgery on his face to get rid of the smile. Yeah, no shit. Shit. Anyway, that that's the rumor. Uh, interesting, Michael. I thought Michael Bay was going to you know, direct another two movies to finish out the trilogy, but it appears that he's not, so... I find that interesting that they're already going to be replacing uh, Mark Wahlberg, who I thought was going to be in for the long haul. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm all for Rock uh, taking over that role in Transformers. We'll see what happens. Yeah, should be cool. Um, Dolph Ziggler had a very memorable night at the Survivor Series and uh, took to Twitter to thank uh, Team Ziggler for the past six years of ups and downs. Uh, Quote, damn, that was an awesome night. Being the sole survivor was a big shock to everyone, an unexpected finale which many fans thought would see Cena with his hands raised high. Quote, oh, and Sting showed up to help. Ha ha. Sting, are you serious, bro? Obviously happy about being part of one of the most memorable debuts in WWE history. So very classy of Ziggler to thank the fans for supporting him all these years. Yeah, and I mean, probably if you're Ziggler. When they told him that Sting was going to be in that segment, he probably marked out. I mean, Ziggler's old school. You could tell he's one of those people who fucking grew up, you know, six, seven years old, sitting in front of the TV in his pajamas, watching fucking wrestling on a Saturday morning. Definitely. No doubt. Uh, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are gracing the cover of the December-January edition of Muscle and Fitness magazine, which is out in stores. The two gym and fitness aficionados are looking perfect are looking in perfect physical condition, both dressed in black gym clothes, showing off their bodies. Sean Heisen, an embedded reporter 
An editor from the magazine was at the Performance Center in September as part of the tryout and was put through the training for the feature as well. The appearances of Triple H and Steph on the magazine is to promote the duo's fitness DVDs, which come out uh, on December 2nd, which is today, from Dodeby and Lionsgate Home Entertainment. You can catch the cover over at wrestling-online.com. Yeah, congratulations to Roids and Pregs. I'm, I'm proud of them. Roids and Pregs. <laughs> Let me stop. No, Stephanie looks great. Look, I may buy the magazine just for fucking Stephanie. God damn. There's no no wonder why you're fucking blind. Do you got Harry Palms too? I will after getting that shit. Let the fappening begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the post-Survivor Series edition of Raw got the attention of a lot of interested fans, as it did 4,249,000 viewers in total, up almost half a million viewers from the previous week. Sting's debut and the removal of the authority from power can pretty much attribute to the audience jump, which was the best one since the August 11th show. Hour 1 drew a huge 4,734,000, followed by an even bigger drop of three-quarter of a million viewers in the second hour for 3,992,000 viewers, and then slightly up to 4,012,000 viewers in the third and final hour. Boy, did those extra fans get fucked royally, deeply, and brutally. <laughs> Pretty much. Shit. I'm afraid I've got some good news. Uh-oh. There will be no more immigration problems for Bad News Barrett as the former Intercontinental Champion revealed on his Twitter that he finally got a U.S. green card, which gives him a permanent resident status of an immigrant in the United States. Hey, at Barack Obama, thanks for the green card. You're the man, uh, wrote Barrett, adding the emoticons of an American flag, a football, fist bump, and a thumbs up. Barrett had issues for a couple of months at the end of last year due to work visa issues, which prevented him from entering the United States and working there. He was kept off television until all his paperwork was sorted out. Getting a green card solves all of his problems, as he does not need to renew his visa anymore and can work any time in the country. So that's good news for Bad News Barrett. Can someone explain something to me? How is it that a guy who works for a United States company and behaves himself and everything has to go through all this shit to get a green card, yet the fucking Indian who works in the convenience store around the corner from me who can't understand the concept of batteries and fucking razors, he's fine. No one bothers him, even though he only speaks two words of fucking English, and both of those words are you pay. I don't know, man. I, I just love the way the system works in this country. Well, I mean, you're a member of a Colombian drug cartel? Come on in. You're a hardworking wrestler with visas, and you're on TV every week? Well, we're going to, you know, fuck you over. Wow. Yeah, it happens, man. It, it happens. It's just the way it's the immigration process, dude. I don't know how to explain it, but that's just the way it is. I'm sorry if I offended anyone out there, but you know what? If you don't want to be offended, get my fucking order right. Bronx, how dare you come into my store and order a Slurpee and then call a cab, you motherfucker, you racist punk. No, see, that's fine because you've already spoken 50 more words than this guy around the corner knows. Wow. I don't give a fuck if you're an immigrant, but when I tell you I need a pack of AAA batteries, a big razor, and a fucking lighter, you shouldn't stare at me blankly for 10 minutes. That's a good point. <laughs> Sorry. Racist prick. 
Anyway, anyway, on to the news. Uh, the Nikki Bella promo from SmackDown last week was heavily edited from the original one that she cut on Tuesday during the tapings. Nikki, the new Divas champion, cut a promo on former champ AJ Lee, which was well-received from the crowd despite playing the heel. Nikki talked about AJ's sob stories, how she's worked harder than her without going to tell the world what she had to do to get where she is today. Looks like this hashtag fearless diva is too hot for SmackDown and hashtag WWE, wrote Nikki on her Twitter after the edited promo made it on the air. Her boyfriend, John Cena, wrote that he's proud of Nikki for speaking from the heart despite WWE not airing the entire promo. Boo fucking who. Yeah, I mean, she got her ass burned. One of the few good things on Raw last week was that fucking shit where, where AJ said, you know, fucking talent isn't sexually transmitted. And if ever you needed the burn mem with the geek screaming burn, I was like, shit. Yeah, that was awesome. Absolutely awesome. But other than that, who cares? Good news for Canadians out there. The Canadian Radio, Television, and Telecommunications Commission approved the WWE Network application from Rogers this past week that will now enable the broadcaster to sell the network to other cable companies in the country. As of now, the WWE Network in Canada is only available to Rogers subscribers and is not accessible through the -the over-the-top devices like the rest of the world. Rogers signed a 10-year deal with the network in Canada. The application called for the addition of the network in the list of non-Canadian programming services authorized for distribution. In the application, Rogers confirmed the network service would broadcast the same content as the broadcast by the WWE Network in the United States and that the service would complement its other offerings. Without the CRTC adding to the WWE Network to the non-Canadian programming services list, Rogers would have been unable to negotiate with other cable providers to make the network available throughout the whole of Canada. Again, this doesn't change my feeling on it because you're not getting the -the over-the-top service that's available online if you order this service in Canada. See, what confuses me, and it's about, even Vince said it on the Austin podcast last night where (laughs) Vince didn't quite know what to say. You know, what's up, Vince, with, you know, network over in the UK? I understand. Wasn't the purpose of this network to give a big fuck you to cable companies and trump them? And yet you go to Rogers and sell it to them exclusively. Um, That's diluting your market. I, I don't understand. Unless Rogers paid them an obscene amount of money. I mean, a sickening amount of money. I bet I, they did. I bet you they did. Probably, yeah. They probably backed a fucking truck into Vince's mansion with money. But, I mean, still, that's defeating. It's kind of shitting on your Canadian fans. And next to hockey, Canadian fans are passionate about fucking wrestling. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Canadian fans and Canadians, Sports Illustrated is featuring an interview with WWE Hall of Famer Bret Hart discussing his backstage fight with Vince McMahon after the 1997 Survivor Series event in Montreal, why he felt bad for Earl Hebner, and why he isn't a fan of Eric Bischoff. Why he felt bad for referee Earl Hebner over the Survivor Series incident. Quote, I always felt bad for Earl. I think in his heart he would have told me, but they would have, cor- they would have cornered him. He rolled over. It's hard to watch the match because of the spot they put Earl in. He's terrified. Why he isn't a fan of Eric Bischoff. Quote, I remember Steve Austin telling me before I left he'd never go back to WCW. He said it was the most disorganized, chaotic place 
You couldn't get a clear answer out of anyone. I knew from day one with Eric Bischoff, especially, that I was coming in with so much momentum that these guys didn't know what they were going to do. I knew it was a dumb idea before I even went out behind the scenes. Bischoff pretended he was Vince McMahon, but he really was a puppet for Kevin Nash, Hulk Hogan, and a handful of the other guys who were telling him what to do. He was just a clueless idiot who should have never been in wrestling. He's just as much a liar as Vince ever was, but Vince was a very smart liar. Bischoff was just a clueless guy with no backbone and no brains. You know, I'm 37 years old, and anybody can die at any time, sadly. I could go right now. But, like, if I managed to live to be 70, that would give me, like, 33 more years on this earth. By then, when I'm laying in my hospital bed sucking on an oxygen tube, will this fucking screw job shit be over? How many videos, documentaries, Brett going to WCW? I could tell this story in my sleep. I've heard it so many times. Please, yeah, the Bischoff bashing is new. But still, please, can can this ever go away? Ever? Well, I think he has moved on. He's just He was asked about it, and he responded to it. If I asked you about a traumatic incident that, that happened to you 12 years ago, you're probably going to talk about it. So I don't have a problem with him doing it. He's, he's let it go, Bronx. He's moved past it. I mean, he obviously has a relationship with WWE over it. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Oh, I'm not, necess- I'm not shitting on Brett. I'm just saying the story itself. It's like, you know, B- Brett can show up on a fucking interview with a second head growing out of his shoulder, another Bret Hart. And both heads will be asked about the screw job. You know, n- not Brett, how did you grow a second head? No, w- what about the screw job? I mean, it- it's a shame because as much as I wasn't a gigantic Brett fan, he did have a great career. I did enjoy watching him as a kid. And it's like now his whole career is defined by this one incident, which Brett did so much more before, you know, before that. So I, it's just, eh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just sick of it. I- I'm not pissed at Brett. I'm just sick of the story. Yeah, I hear you. So, you know, next week is uh, Monday Night Raw, the Slammy Awards. Were you aware of that? Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I already have a fresh fucking razor blade here. I've already got my bathtub filled so I can drop my toaster in it. Do you know who's going to be the guest star during Monday Night Raw? See, now this I don't have that much of an issue with because I'm a Seth Green fan. I like Seth Green. Seth Green, who this is not the first time he's been on Raw. But uh, he was the guest host for the July 13th, 2009 episode of Raw and actually even competed in the main event that night, teaming with John Cena and Triple H to take on Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, and Ted DiBiase. He was also in attendance at WrestleMania the following year. I'm okay with Seth Green being on the show, but I don't know if I'm interested in really watching the Slammy Awards. It used to be a show that I liked. I used to like the Slammy Awards, but they've completely destroyed those awards. They're just fucking... It's storyline-driven drivel. Yeah, at least they did a good job of of kayfabing it years ago where you felt it was sort of important. Now it's just so fucking, you know, like when Owen Hart won won that one, he went nuts, you know. I am a winner, woo, you know. Back then it was cool. Now it's just like, it's like King of the Ring. Talk about something else they just, you know, whipped it out and pissed on. Yeah. Uh, WWE is running a Christmas promotion for the network where you gift the network to someone. You also get a free Roku streaming stick 
worth forty nine ninety nine. When you give the network as a gift, you'll be charged for a full year up front, so you'll be spending a total of one hundred nineteen eighty eight for a twelve month subscription. The Roku streaming stick is similar to the Google Chromecast, an HDMI stick which has all the channels as a regular Roku box and takes less space with no running cables. If you want to order it, you can go to WWE.com and, and subscribe to it. But uh, it's kind of a nice little promotion, but, you know. See, I've got my high-def TV, and I was going to buy one of these these things because I have, like, a spare HDMI slot. I'm assuming you just plug it into the slot and it connects via Wi-Fi. I don't know. I, something like that, yeah. I was going to get a Blu-ray, but I know I'll never buy discs for it, so I might end up getting that instead. If it gets the network, I'm all for it. I want something where I can get the network in 1080p on my TV. There you go. Um, When TNA finally signs off Spike for good on Christmas Eve, fans in Canada will be left without their Impact fix starting on January of 2015. Currently, Impact airs on Spike as well as in Canada, but when the move to Destination America, things will change leaving TNA without a home uh, in Canada. A special message to our great fans in Canada. We're negotiating with potential TV partners to bring Ad Impact Wrestling to you. Stay tuned, wrote TNA President Dixie Carter on Twitter. It's likely that TNA will be off Canadian television for a while, considering television deals aren't usually drawn up in just a matter of weeks. So if you're Canadian and you like Impact Wrestling, I'm sorry. Too bad. Well, you guys have that fucking group up there that makes the FCC look like pussycats. The CR, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I would I can only imagine. It's a shame for Canadian fans. I mean, they, they are, they're going to lose a, a lot of weekly viewers over this. I mean, hopefully this Destination America, you know, really gives them a shot in the arm and promotes them. We'll see. There seems to be other notable changes to Impact Wrestling when their first-run shows return to its new home, Destination America. Mike Tanay and longtime TNA commentator will be giving up his spot for the younger Josh Matthews, the former WWE broadcaster who was surprisingly let go earlier this year. Matthews spent 12 years in the WWE and did several commentary uh, work for WWE, including Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. He was then moved to host the Raw and pay-per-view pre-shows on the network before getting axed in June. Matthew signed a TNA deal as soon as his no-compete clause with WWE expired. He moved to Nashville to work for the TNA headquarters and is currently in charge of redeveloping the new TNA website. So Mike Tanay out as one of the commentators for uh, TNA Impact when it redebuts. Yeah, I don't – I like Tanay, but I don't, like, dislike Taz as much as I used to. He's good for a laugh. I will say that. You know, he, he's a good color guy. He's good for a laugh. So. It's going to be a rocket buster. Yeah. I'll I talked to Joey Numbers at the dock, and he said it's a rocket buster. I mean, if, if, if this brother's doing two jobs, I hope they're fucking paying him well. I mean, doing the website and commentating. You know, I mean, it's TNA. I hope he, he must have got a decent deal. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I'm fine with this change. I'm absolutely fine with it. You know, I'll I'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting to see what kind of chemistry he and Taz have. I like Josh Matthews. Uh, I thought it was a mistake for them to get rid of him in the first place, but, you know, it is what it is. I think he'll be a good addition to the team, and hopefully he works out for him. Yeah, me too. I, I like Matthews, so we'll see. You know, we'll see. I mean, I, was, I thought for a minute they were going to bring back JB on commentary. I mean, I love JB, 
but his commentary never exactly set me on fire. No doubt. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling hosted a press conference where they announced the launch of their New Japan World streaming service at New Japan World at NJPWWorld.com, which is similar to the WWE Network. The service will cost 999 yen per month in Japan, and it converts to 840 a month in the U.S., 960 a month in Canada, and 538 pounds for U.K. subscribers. With the launch of New Japan World, New Japan announced the lineup of shows that will be airing either live or on tape delay for December of January, which is as follows. The 12-7 World Tag League Finals on tape delay. Some of this stuff even goes, like, there's going to be, like, a ton of fucking shit. Uh, they're going to have stuff, like, from 1973, uh, New Japan shows that date back to the 80s, all the iPay-per-views from 2011 to 2014, um, documentaries on New Japan stars. This is awesome. Um, like, I'm thinking at some point I'm going to fucking get this because... There's a lot of shit that I never got to see with New Japan. I've, I've never really watched Japanese wrestling aside from, you know, a couple of clips or matches on YouTube. So I'm thinking, man, for for ten dollars a month, I might have to check this out. I love it. Anything that is going to bring about the sad, brutal death of cable television sooner. I'm all for, you know, this <laughs> It's funny how people are saying how the WWE Network isn't so far that great a success. But what's really coming out of this is I think it's given a lot of other people ideas. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point UFC came out with some shit like this. Don't, doesn't UFC sort of have something like that? I'm, I'm not even sure. I'm I think they have serious. something, and I don't remember what it is, but they have something that's similar to it, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's like... Man, you know, I, I could see a lot of companies trying to do this. I mean, it's, you know, once you buy the equipment, th that's the most expensive part of setting up this shit. Once you buy the equipment and New Japan can afford it, believe me, basically, you're just paying guys to maintain it. So I, I think it's going to be a good business model in the future. It'd be funny if the WWE Network is the pioneer, but not the most successful. No, I agree. Like I said, New Japan opens up new doors. Uh, I like this price comparison to the WWE Network. Very similar. Uh, I, again, you know, wrestling fans are the winners here. I, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, you're getting content that most of you probably never seen. I know I certainly haven't. You know, it'd be nice to go back and, you know, watch some of Jushin Thunder Liger stuff or, you know, find out about who Mitsuharu Masawa was or, tiger mask or even catch some of the old uh, uh eddie guerrero and and you know chris benoit stuff from back in the day uh you know the, the giant bernard giant bernard yes why not albert when he was uh he was uh, supposedly awesome in new japan as as giant albert or giant uh bernard excuse me yeah, I got to go back and watch some of that because, like, everyone was saying, oh, he was the shit in Japan. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it'd also be nice to go back and watch some of uh, Prince Devitt's stuff now that he's in NXT um, as Finn Balor. You know, that's that's another added bonus. Uh, so, yeah, this is definitely something I'm going to check into. Was Akumu Matata from NXT in uh, New Japan at one time? Uh, no, Hakuna Matata was never in, in NXT 
or New Japan. Okay. You talking about Kenta? Yeah. No, the one they call now. Uh, the, what was that shit The Rock said at the beginning of the freaking Scorpion King? Haku uh, Masente. Yeah, some someone like that. But I always forget. Yeah, Sonata, whatever the fuck his name is now. I don't know. Hideo, oh, Hideo Matami, excuse me, it just came to me. No, that's Kinta. Hideo Itami was formerly known as Kinta. Was he in New Japan? That's who I meant. I believe he was. Okay. Now, now that we're all confused, let's go to the next story. Jesus fucking Christ. Just bring my food. All right, that's it for the news stories. I want to talk now about CM Punk, and I want to talk about Vince McMahon. Okay? Oh, boy. I've listened to the interview that Punk did on the Colt Cabana podcast twice i've listened to the vince mcmahon thing twice in the last couple of days and i want to start off by saying first of all that as far as cm punk is concerned i think that with his health in jeopardy probably was a good move for him to do what he did I still would have liked to have seen him, you know, finish out his contract. I personally feel like he should have filed a malpractice suit against the WWE. If what he's saying is true, that he wasn't getting the medical coverage, you know, at the shows, the doctor was like, oh, yeah, it's nothing, don't worry about it. I think that he should file a malpractice suit against the WWE because that's a big hang-up for me that this guy's working and, and, and doing this stuff and putting his body at risk, and they're just clearing these guys even though they're hurt. You know, a lot of people have backed this up. Hardcore Holly's talked about um, he almost lost his arm because he had, an, he had a staph infection in his arm, and, and Laurinaitis wanted him to go work the tour, the European tour or whatever, and, you know, he almost had his arm amputated because, you know, if it would have been any longer, his infection would have got worse. So this is not the first time I've heard this. I understand a lot of his points. The medical is the most serious. And for that, I agree with what he did. Just from the medical standpoint alone. As far as the not being happy with the gimmick, I mean, it was so blatantly obvious that the one thing he wanted that he didn't get was that main event spot at WrestleMania. I mean, that was the one thing you could hear. And, and and I'll be real honest, guys. They never utilized Punk to his potential. We've talked about that numerous times. This was a guy that could have been one of the top draws in the company. He did outsell John Cena's merchandise. That That is a proven fact. That's not his ego talking. That did happen. And shortly after that, they turned him heel because they had to put John Cena back in that number one merchandising spot. You know, he makes a lot of good points in this interview. I don't agree with everything that he says as far as WrestleMania is the main draw. You know, it's not who you bring into WrestleMania. The fucking numbers put that fucking shit to rest. Before they brought The Rock back, WrestleMania did not have a great buy rate. That first WrestleMania that they brought Rock back and he was the host brought in a million fucking pay-per-view buys. That's legit fact. Everything before that was not. You know, and that's with guys like Punk and, and you know, Shawn Michaels and 
uh, Undertaker and Triple H being the headliners. Until they brought Rock in, they were not doing a million pay-per-views. So I disagree with Rock not being a draw, that WrestleMania is the draw. Is it the biggest show of the year? Absolutely. But it's not the draw. Well, I mean, so a lot of the things I agree with what he said is, you know, I've never bought into that shit. We're having a double main event. The one thing I'll agree with Plunk 100% on, and I'm an old school fan. No, the last match is the main event. That That's how I see it in my eyes. The thing about the, you know, health situation where I think it's, it's disgusting to think that a company that I grew up loving would treat guys like pieces of meat. I mean, that that's disgusting to me, but... You know, Anthony pointed this out, and I didn't even really think about it until he said it. I'll give him his props. Look, man, there comes a point it's fine to be an old school, I'm loyal to the business type shit. But when that doctor told me the second time, I'm not going to do anything for your back. Yeah, worry about lawsuits later. You've got the money. Go somewhere else. I told a story. I'm not going to tell it again how a doctor almost fucked me out of my eyesight. And thank God I was smart enough to go somewhere else. I would have stormed out then. I would have told that doctor, go fuck yourself. Guess what I'm doing? I'm going to another doctor right now, even if it's on my own dime, and make sure I'm freaking healthy. And he should have done that to begin with. Exactly. When, when that first showed up and he, you know, he talked to Dr. Amon or whatever the fuck his name is, and he's like, oh, well, it's nothing. You know, first of all, nobody's going to look if a fucking something shows up on my body. That's like a fucking bump that I don't know what the fuck it is. There's no way you're going to tell me that it's nothing. OK, I'm going to go have that shit checked out if I do it on my own dime or whatever. So, I, look. I'll give him credit for hanging in there for three months and wrestling, you know, while he had a staph infection. That's fucked up. But I think that he should have went to the doctor and had somebody else take a look at it. And tell him, hey, man, you need to take care of this. You know, I think it's gross negligence on the part of WWE. And I think he should have filed a lawsuit against them and should have gotten them in hot water. Now, back to him walking away. What really bothered me was this, you know, oh, they fired me on my wedding day. First of all, hold the fucking phone. You walked out, bud. You fucking left the night after the Rumble. You fucking told Vince McMahon and Hunter you didn't love it anymore. You were done, okay? So how can they fire you when you've essentially quit? This this was a big topic for me that I thought was bullshit. He talks about, oh, yeah, you know, he told them goodbye, and Vince hugged him with tears in his eyes and blah, 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 okay? So they call him a week later and want him to come back. Vince calls and checks on him. No, I'm not coming back. Well, since you're not coming back, we're going to suspend you for two months. How is that different from any other employer? If I don't fucking go to work, do you think they're going to keep me around? They're going to fucking fire my ass. So they suspend him for two months. He doesn't hear anything back. Well, why does he not want to hear anything from them? Because didn't he walk out? Didn't he quit? That was that was like it was like a fucking like he can't make up his mind what he wants to do. He fucking walks away. He's quit. Yet they suspend him. He doesn't hear from them. And the story was they couldn't reach him. He had blocked them on Twitter. He even said that in a fucking interview with Cabana. Yes. So he wasn't answering their calls. 
And he's like, well, I didn't hear from them after the two months. And then he's surprised that on his fucking wedding day, he gets a termination notice. Was it shitty to get a termination notice on your fucking uh, wedding day? Absolutely. But didn't you quit? And, and, and when Vince McMahon says, you know, uh, you know, there were some legal errors, I don't buy that. I don't think Vince was the one that sent him his termination papers on his wedding day. That was a Triple H and Stephanie move because they fucking despise Puck. They've never liked him. And, and, and that, that's true. I don't think Vince had anything to do with him getting those papers on his wedding day. But at the same time, why does it fucking matter when he already walked out of the company and fucking told him he was done? See, that's what I don't understand. Oh, they fired me. No, you fucking walked out and you fucking quit. I'm not calling him a quieter. I'm calling him a quitter because that's what he did. Now, granted, he did it for the right reasons. He walked away because these motherfuckers could have killed him. Well... I mean, I probably would have handled it where instead of the conversation he had with Vincent Triple H that he says he had, I would have went in there and I would have at least tried at first. Listen, this is what's got to happen. He'd be totally in his right for saying, I'm not wrestling another day until I go to my own doctor. I'll send you the bill and get all this shit taken care of. Whatever's wrong with me. I need to do that first. If because I'm gone whilst I'm doing that, you try to fire me, then I'm going to hit you with a malpractice suit. I will fax from my doctor how many weeks I'm going to need before I can come back, you know, safely. But this is the way it's got to be. That's the way I kind of would have handled it. But still, you know, I've never found the need. And then this is just me. To flex your muscles or be a a prick and do something just to get under somebody's skin. You know, they could have even sent them the papers the day after his wedding day. And I get what you're saying. He did quit. And while Punk was being childish to some extent, that's just as childish. That's two professional people just saying, we're gonna, for whatever reason, try to fuck up this guy's wedding day. That didn't need to be done. You could have even sent them the day before. But Bronx, he didn't care. He quit, remember? I mean, like that, that's the thing that kills me. That, that's the underlying theme here. He walked away. He had no intentions of going back. They called him a week later and tried to get him to come back. And he, he, he's like, no, I'm done. And they suspended him. So why does it bother him that they sent him termination papers? You can't fucking sit there and say, oh, well, they fired me. I didn't quit. No, you fucking walked out and you fucking told them you were done. And then they called you and you fucking said you were done. And they suspended you and you didn't fucking care. But now all of a sudden you get fucking termination papers and you're fucking pissed about it. You fucking quit is the bottom fucking line. No, I understand that. But it would it would almost be like it would almost be like if I didn't show up for unplugged for three weeks in a row. And obviously, if I didn't do that, you check in with me, see what happened. And then I had this conversation with you, similar to the conversation they had with Punk. Oh, JJ, I'm not happy. Wow, wow, blah, blah, blah. I- I'm not coming back. You know, by the way, you know, next week I'm going for open heart surgery. And I go for that. You find out what day it is. And then that's the day when I'm recovering in the ER, that you go on Facebook and say, here's what happened with Bronx. Bronx was this, Bronx was that, he quit and everything. 
The, all I'm trying to point out is I agree with everything you're saying, but again, something like that, I agree he should have been fired. But that to me is just a little childish last minute stab at someone. Like I said, the, the, I, from what I take it, he wasn't really pissed that he was fired. He was just kind of like pissed that they actually, you know, had to pick his wedding day to do it. That's the only point I'm making. It's the timing. He should have been fired. But but he didn't care. Remember, he didn't care. I, I get what you're saying, he, but I mean, he, still, but, but it's like, like, but look, does it not fucking like, look, he can't make up his mind. It's like on one hand, it's like, well, you know, I fuck them. I don't care. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, they fucking fired me. Well, you can't have it both ways. You're either fucking happy that you quit, you know, and you're pissed that they fucking fired you or I mean, seriously, what, what's the fucking deal here? And again, I, I've told you all along whether I agreed with his decision to leave or not, that he had points. And I agreed with a lot of his points. I just didn't agree with him breaching the contract. Now, again, I understand the medical reasons. I still wouldn't have breached my contract. I would have fucking brought a, a lawsuit against them for fucking medical negligence. And I would have said, look, I'll work through WrestleMania, and then I'm taking time off. You know? And we can restructure a contract, or I'm done. You know, he, he, he made the comment, well, I didn't leave during the middle of a program. Yes, he did. He absolutely did leave during the middle of a program. You know, you can't look at what they were doing on television with him and not say he wasn't in a program because they had already started the wheels in motion to have him feud with Triple H. Even before that, they were going to put him with Kane before WrestleMania. But he was going to wrestle Triple H at Mania. And it was going to be a match that he was going to beat Triple H in. He's already said that that was going to happen, which I knew was going to happen. But they set up the storyline where they had that. Uh, that was the night that, what, Daniel Bryan kind of hijacked the show. Where, where, like, the people were all behind him and you had HBK. And, you know, you had that big schmoz in the ring where, like, I think Triple H pie-faced him. And he, he fucking uh, punk hit Triple H and then Shawn Michaels super kicked him. Uh, they were already setting that up. So he was in the middle of that. He goes through the rumble. He gets eliminated by Kane. He was already in the middle of a storyline when they fucking, when he left. So I don't want to hear this. Oh, I didn't leave in the middle of a storyline shit. Yeah, you fucking did. You absolutely fucking did. You know, my problems with the interview now, here's one thing. He, he speaks about two royalty checks. One that, and I don't, I don't know how much I believe this, but again, I just don't see why he'd lie. One that he forgot to cash from a year ago before any of this shit went down and the new one he was due. Now, as far as the new one he was due, I think they had every fucking right to withhold that one. Every right. But the one that he didn't cash that happened before all this shit, that they should have reissued him. Now, the other thing I will say about Punk on the negative is, the guy needs to curb two things, his ego and his attitude, because a few things he said, which I didn't think about these till today, because I re-listened to the interview again today on the way to work. First off, to say you wouldn't give Triple H the privilege of wrestling you, I think that's a little bit fucking egotistical to say that. That's the one thing. The other thing is when he made the comment, 
oh, these fans who talk shit to me on Twitter wouldn't say it to my face because I'd punch them in the throat. And I mentioned this the other day. Look, I love what I do. But if someone happened to walk up to me on the street and say, hey, are you Bronx? Yeah. Oh, I just want to tell you, uh, unplugged and get in the zone. They fucking suck. Now, my reaction would be, well, first of all, well, fuck you then. Secondly, if you don't like our shows, then I'll tell you what, don't listen, dumbass. But my reaction wouldn't be to walk up to the guy and physically assault him for saying that he doesn't like my radio show. He, he, he has an ego that is far beyond what I think he's accomplished, if that makes sense. It does. I want to I preface something in the chat real quick. Ace Attitude says, so you're saying you should have worked six more months with a possible life-threatening condition. No, that's not what I'm saying. But let's, let's go back to his interview. He did say that his wife, AJ, had him go see her doctor, and he took care of the, uh, he took care of the infection, gave him three months' worth of medicine. I'm not saying he should have worked sick. I'm saying that they had the perfect way to take him out of storylines for a while with Kane putting him through the table and eliminating him for the Rumble. He probably could have been back in time for WrestleMania to work the program, and then afterward he could have taken time off. So, no, I'm not saying he should have worked the last six months with a life-threatening condition. You didn't listen to what I said. Yeah, I mean, he could have even went to this second doctor, got this opinion, and then he should have picked up his fucking phone. I don't know if he has a gateway through to Vince McMahon. I'm not sure. But called someone in authority and said, listen, I went to another doctor to get a second opinion. I've got written proof here that your doctor fucked me over. And again, do what I said earlier. This is the time I'm going to need off. And if you don't give it to me, then I'll have to think about going to court. You know, he could have hit. Here's the deal how I think. I think it was handled like absolute drizzling shit by both sides. Absolutely. Absolutely. Both both sides were at fault, but my the main problem I have coming out of this, and forget about Punk for one minute. If they are treating guys like fucking cattle, that, like I said, that's really bad. Really bad, and that shit needs to change. Well, this is nothing new, man. Like, if you go back, and, and I can't remember if it was Alpha or it was one of the Samoans, uh, talked about when his, his son or his daughter was being born, he um, he he didn't work that day and he was fired by vince for missing for missing a show i mean this is nothing new this shit x Pac talked about his mentor being like on death's door and he just wanted a day or two to just like go hold his hand and say goodbye to him and they wouldn't let him yep you know wwe uh vince mcmahon in particular will work you like a fucking circus animal and he'll make all the dough, and he'll pay you peanuts. That's that's the wrestling business in a nutshell, folks. You know, just because CM Punk thinks he's worth $20 million doesn't mean he's going to make it. And I'm not saying that, that Punk's not worth money because I think he's a great talent. I never had a problem with his in-ring skills. And for a while, he was a big baby face, and he was overtaking John Cena. That's a fact. I can't deny that. And I think that he should have main evented a WrestleMania. Now, he talks about wanting to have that main event match, you know, at WrestleMania with Taker and still have the title. And somehow, you know, he kept the title through the streak. 
You know, I guess Undertaker would have won at WrestleMania by a countout or some bullshit, which I think is ridiculous. I mean, the big the big butt hurt here was not anything but he really wanted to main event WrestleMania. And I feel bad for him because he should have. He absolutely should have. Because he and Taker had the best match at the WrestleMania in New Jersey. I was there. I was there that entire show. And the best match of the night was Punk and Taker. Hands down. Without any question. But the problem is, you couldn't have put them on as a main event. I mean, because of the Rock John Cena thing, which personally I didn't want to see again. You know? Well, I, I didn't. I would have rather seen Rock versus fucking CM Punk for the main event. You know, like I really feel like he should have gotten his due, but he didn't. You know, the what was it? The the one WrestleMania when he was champion, and it was him and Jericho, and they weren't the main event. I felt bad for him, but it is what it is. They brought in draws, and unfortunately, as champion. You know, he wasn't putting the asses in seats, but when you brought Rock in, he was. And I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to, to disparage Punk or say anything negative about him. But Rock was a big deal when they brought him in. That's just that's just the plain and simple there. You know, he was a huge name. And he he did affect the buy rate. And unfortunately those guys prior to Rock coming in weren't really hitting that buy rate. Well, the other thing that I agree with him, too, is when he, he puts over the point, you know, Vince wants him to wrestle Brock at SummerSlam and lose. And, you know, Punk kind of saw the writing on the wall. He goes, who's going to show up the next night on Monday? Well, uh, you are. OK, so I've jobbed to Taker, who is gone the next day. Now I'm going to job to freaking, you know, Brock, who's going to be. Gone. I get that. The problem is, and he's I right. Think, he's right. You know, because you know you can't have him job into part timers, and then him come back the next night and, and be like, "What the hell?" You know, he made a lot of valid points, and I agree with a lot of his points. You know, that company right now, and for the last couple of years, they have no direction as far as where they want to take characters. You know, he made a very valid point with the, it's the John Cena show. It's all about, well, what's what's next in line for Cena? And it's all about Cena. It's not about everybody else. You know, if you can make money with Punk, if you can make money with Ziggler, if you can make money with all these guys, why wouldn't you? Why would you just push the one guy? You know, I agree when he says Vince is out of touch. And as soon as we're done with the Punk, then I'm going to jump on Vince's ass because I got a lot I want to fucking say about that. So what else do you got to say about Punk? Look, at the end of the day, I'm not going to take back the fact that, you know, We've talked about this ad nauseum. I still agree that the way he left was wrong. You know, and he quit. He wasn't fired. He quit first and then was fired. So, you know, you can sit there and say, oh, well, you know, I was fired. You quit first. And you told them you were done. So, you know, again, it is what it is. I understand the reasoning. And his medical health uh, was fucked up. I understand that. But there were ways of working out this contract that could have benefited, you know, everybody involved. You know, I would especially said, look, I'll take your ass to court for malpractice if you don't fucking give me time off. You know, we're going to get this shit fucking taken care of. The the one last thing I want to bring up about punk, this will be my last point, is I find 
his comments towards Ryback a little bit. Now, look, I don't know Ryback. Never met him. I'm dumb as fuck. Never been in the same room with him. But let's say, and I always like to use like us as analogies. Let's say we're doing a show and something happened. Your computer crashed or something and you had a reboot and we lost five, ten minutes. And after the show, I said to you, hey, JJ, you know, obviously something's wrong. You got two choices. Either apologize to me or tell me you're dumb as fuck and you did it on purpose. Now, knowing JJ, his response would be, fuck you. Okay? <laughs> I can't see another man. You know, look, I'm not, I can't believe Ryback would try to hurt the guy on purpose. And those were Punk's words. He, he kicked me and hurt me on purpose. All right, maybe Ryback's not the best in the ring. But I find that story a little bit ridiculous that a guy's just going to put his head down and rather than say, listen, fuck you, bitch. I didn't hurt you on purpose. I ain't apologizing for shit. Suck my dick. I'm dumb as fuck. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't buy that. I don't know. Well, look, we, we heard one side of the story, okay? And that was CM Punk's side. And granted, like I said, I'm not saying he's lying on any of it because why would he? You know, he made a lot of valid points. And I said this months ago when all this went down that I agreed he had legitimate gripes. You recall me saying that? I've always said he had legitimate gripes. Because he, he was mishandled from day one. They never wanted him to be the champion. He managed to, you know, work out a deal where he came back in and they gave him the title and he had this long run. You know, when he was world champion, it was disgraceful for them. They didn't want him to have the championship. You know, like, it sucks because Punk is a good talent. He was a good worker. You know, and I think he's completely done. I don't think that there's ever going to be a time that he goes back. He says he's done. He's never going back. And I have no reason to, to, to dispute that. I don't think he's ever going back. I don't think that he needs to. Yeah, and I think in his mind, he, he definitely feels he might come off as a prick, but I think definitely in his mind, he feels that he's been wronged. And I he mean, ha- he, he totally has been. Feels. He has been. True. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Punk was wronged in so many ways. I mean, Vince McMahon owed him three, you know, because he, he did this, he did that, and Vince was like, I'll owe you one, I'll owe you one. Well, you owe me three. They didn't fucking pay him correctly when the WrestleMania payouts came. Look, he's got a lot of legit gripes. I, I completely back him on that. I think yeah. that, you know, he was fucked over. Absolutely. And I, I have no problem saying that, and I said that from the beginning. That the guy had legit gripes and he wasn't utilized correctly. Yeah, and I think they kind of sucked the love of the business right out of the guy. You know, it's a shame. I mean, you know, I, I'm more sympathetic towards him now than I was. I'm a lot more sympathetic. Again, I think at the, at the bottom line is, to close this out, it's real simple. I said it before. Both sides handled this like complete shit. And that's the bottom line. There's fault on both sides. And I think that... Hey, Punk came out and was honest. You know what? And I know it's a publicly traded company and it's hard for them to do this. But hey, Triple H, if you're throwing shit around the back before Raw and you're all pissed off, well, guess what, son? Tell your side of the story. And I love Triple H. I'm a Triple H mark. Truth hurts, you know. Uh, it is what it is. They they fucked him over. Granted, I, I think Punk's ego is, is a little too big. 
you know, but then again, I have an ego, and it, it can be big at times. You know, obviously, I haven't accomplished what CM Punk has, so I'll give him that. Um, I want to move on to Vince McMahon now because we're, we really need to wrap this up. Um, I watched the Austin podcast last night, and then you had recorded it, and I listened to it today while I was out making my rounds. And a couple of things right off the fucking bat. I mean, Vince was doing his best to toe the company line, but some of the shit he said was so fucking... And I'm disappointed with Stone Cold because I expected him to come out guns blazing and him ask the hard questions, and he fucking softballed so many fucking things to Vince McMahon. You know, he he literally... I was very disappointed with, with how he reacted to... A lot of the questions, I mean, he really didn't ask any hard questions. There would have been two right off the bat. I would have, like, in-depth wanted to know what happened with CM Punk. And I would have straight the fuck up asked him, what's the what, what's the deal with Randy Savage? Why, why was there a bad relationship? Now, he did ask about the Hall of Fame, and Vince confirmed he will be going in the Hall of Fame soon. But I would have totally asked. If nothing was off limits, I would have asked that. Why did you not, like asked that question that was the money question right there and he completely dropped the ball um he brought up cesaro oh and vince says well the fans are the ones that get behind the guy motherfucker the fans were behind cesaro it's you motherfuckers that dropped the ball fucking people loved cesaro Dude, like, he was getting fucking crowd reactions, and you halted the push and put him with Heyman and made him a goddamn heel again. So how the fuck is he missing something when the crowd was connecting with him? And Austin even alluded to this. Oh, well, I was getting behind him. You know, and Vince says, well, I don't know if he's, it's because he's Swiss or whatever, but uh, something's just not clicking. Yeah, you know what's not clicking? You're fucking booking. I hate you. You beat me to it. That was the main thing I wanted to fucking go off on. You know, I, I love that. Well, he's not getting the right fan reaction. What the guy swings someone around and people are standing on top of their chairs. I mean, I mean, let, let's let's take this a step further. You know, the fans, the fans make our superstars. OK, um, tell that to Zack Ryder. You know, that guy that was fucking super over because he had a YouTube show and he fucking, the, the people got behind him and you guys completely buried him. You know, that guy that the fans Ooh. got behind, Zack Ryder, that Ooh. guy. Oh, I got one. I got one. Ryback, when he first was doing that shit, when he beat up Brad Maddox and he was over like fucking Rover, but no, we're going to make him a Paul Heyman guy. You know? CM Punk, remember when he was over and the fans loved him? Oh, and, and he was out selling John Cena's merchandise. And oh, oh, you had to turn him heel so he could feud with The Rock. Remember that guy? He was over too. Here's the thing I don't understand. What? As long as someone is making you crazy money, what does it matter who it is? If suddenly Hornswoggle sold 50 million in merchandise... Who cares? You know, why is it every time someone is approaching Cena babyface status, the only one that they really didn't fuck it up with was Daniel Bryan, and that's because the fans were just rabid animals who wouldn't let them. No, there, there's another guy, Daniel Bryan. You remember that guy? Uh, what was his name? Uh, oh, geez. Uh, Dolph Ziggler. Remember when the fans got behind him? 
and they've stayed behind him for six years. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, explain to me how it is that the fans aren't behind these guys and, and they're missing something. I, I That shit, I was sitting there like, that's fucking blatant bullshit. Don't even fucking do that shit. Oh, well, he's missing something. Oh, I can't put my finger on it, but he's missing something. He's missing the goddamn push. He's missing the goddamn company, the machine behind him. That's what he's fucking missing. It ain't that the fans don't connect with Cesaro. It's because you motherfuckers don't like something, and you fucking pull the push back, and you fucking job him out every goddamn week. And did it seem to you like Vince pulled down his trousers and took a steaming shit on his lock on the locker room? What what was it that Austin had said? And Vince is like, well, you know, the current locker room kind of needs to step it up or something along those lines. What more do they need to do to step it up? Like they don't get behind anybody other than John Cena. You know, oh, they're behind Rollins right now. You know, are, are they really behind Ambrose? You know, they're behind Roman Reigns, who's, you know, he's going to be the next John Cena. But, like, these guys are stepping it up. Again, I was very disappointed with this podcast. I expected Austin to really fucking go after McMahon, and he didn't. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. No, it doesn't, Steve. It doesn't make fucking sense. I wasn't expecting more than that. It was on the network. I was definitely not expecting more well, than then, that. Well, then, then don't fucking promote. I'm going to do this fucking podcast, and I'm no fucking hold. It's a no holds barred. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask any pussy ass questions. Well, you fucking did. You asked a lot of pussy ass questions, and you fucking pussy footed around his goddamn answers. Like, you know, I, I was very disappointed. They wrote him a big check. I guess. I, I thought he did okay, but I mean, it was it was like. But, but you, know, you see just, my point. Yeah, he didn't push it. It was like, well, you know, I love the part where he's like, well, send your fucking feedback to Vince McMahon and WWE. And the look on Vince McMahon's face was like, oh, fuck, you know, there, there was one where I think he got him. Hey, Vince, what's up with Shane? And you could just see Vince like motherfucker, you know, and then he answered it. Yeah. <laughs> now, there was something else that he was talking about, and I. I'm trying to remember. I'm getting long in the tooth here. I'm trying to remember what else he said that fucking pissed me off last night. I know it was it was the superstars need to step it up. That really fucking pissed me off because those guys have been fucking stepping it up. It's all oh, we don't have those guys that want to reach for the brass ring. Really? You don't have a Daniel Bryan. You don't have a CM Punk. You didn't have a Dolph Ziggler. Like, you know, you didn't have these guys that fucking wanted to be fucking stars and you guys wouldn't get behind them. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I've been watching the wrong fucking product. It's almost like, you know, I heard Jim Cornette say this a million times where he tried to explain to the people booking, it doesn't matter what you like. It's what the fans like. Okay. I hate fucking liver, but if I open a restaurant and my top selling product that week is liver, I've sold $10,000 worth of that dinner. Hey, I might hate it, but I'm going to keep selling it. But see what the WWE does is they say, because we don't like it, fuck the profit. You know, we have to, WWE doesn't care what the fans think. WWE tries to dictate what they think the fans should think. And that's the bottom line. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> 
You know, Ace Attitude talks about, you know, Brock being the only one worthy enough to end the streak. Well, that's one thing I actually agree with Vince on. I think of that locker room, doing it with Brock was probably the best move. I mean, Brock is a legit badass. And I think that was a good move. It, w- it worked for shock value. Did I want to see the streak ever end? No, absolutely not. I didn't. But when I look at Brock Lesnar versus Undertaker, and I even said this before that match even happened, I said if there is a guy that could beat the streak, it's Brock Lesnar. Because Brock has owned him every time they've ever stepped in the ring. Oh, here's another one. I like when Vince goes, no, it was definitely my decision for that to happen. Yeah, might have been, but I'm telling you damn straight. I don't believe there is any way, even if Vince, if that was his decision, if he went to Taker with it and Taker said, I don't think so, I don't want to do it, he's full of shit on that too. It might have been his decision, but the only reason it happened is because Taker agreed with him. Well, exactly. Taker agreed to do it, you know, and again, they made reference to, you know, he's a guy that that wants to give back to the business, and I get that. The problem is, if I'm the Undertaker, I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking, why the fuck did I job to Brock so he could sit at home for fucking three months, you know, or six months, win the championship, sit at home for three months? You know, like, they fucked it up. I mean, in a perfect world, in in a logical world, Brock Lesnar would have come back at SummerSlam, he would have beaten the champion like he did with John Cena, and then he would consecutively be beating people's ass every month on pay-per-view. Whether he's got two matches with John Cena, or you put him in there with the Big Show, or you put him in there with Mark Henry, or you put him in there with Ziggler, or you put him in there with any other babyface for six months, he would be a defending champion, he'd be a conquering monster, and it would make that WrestleMania match that he has next year all that more meaningful it would mean that the guy that beats him beats the guy that beat the streak it would have been a big fucking moment but now with him sitting at home for fucking three months it's not a special attraction it's a guy that doesn't want to come to fucking work and i think putting the belt on him and not having him work at least once a month was a big fucking mistake and i was all for them putting the belt on brock and i disagree with his special attraction bullshit because while he is a special attraction, I don't think we should see him every week. That doesn't mean we shouldn't see him for three fucking months. Yeah, I'm more interested in who's going to beat Rusev's streak at this point. <laughs> you know, that's the only good thing about it is you've got two guys in Rusev and Ziggler. Oh, excuse me. Ziggler's not the champion again. You have Rusev right now, who's a champion that's undefeated. And you have Luke Harper, who unfortunately took the belt from Dolph Ziggler. Um, I was hoping they were going to elevate those belts. Right now, it seems Rusev is the guy with the most prestigious title while Brock's gone. You know, again, I'm not saying Luke Harper doesn't deserve it. I didn't want to see Ziggler lose it because he was doing a good job of defending it every week. But it is what it is. Yeah, but Harper, at this point, I love him, but he doesn't have enough I don't think he has enough depth on his own yet to be IC champ. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, at least Ziggler, you know, he could cut a promo. He was charismatic. And I like Harper. But it's like, all right, he's got the belt. And it's like 
he's just carrying it around. I don't know. He doesn't have enough personality yet. He hasn't developed enough of a character on his own yet without Bray Wyatt. I think they jumped the gun. I think so, too. Um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and wrap things up, guys. It's, you know, three-hour show, which I didn't want to do, but we've been gone for two weeks, so I'll let it slide this week. Next week will not be a fucking three-hour show. I promise you that. Maybe two hours, 30 minutes, since we're going to have an interview next week. I don't know with who, but we're not pushing three hours next week. Not going to happen. Um, we're going to hold off and do this Lucha Underground contest next week. Hopefully when I have the phone lines back up and running. Um, I will let you guys know how that's going to work out this week. I'll, I'll think about it, and we'll figure out how to do this. But, again, if you're on any show on the SNS Radio Network, whether you're a correspondent and you call in and do a segment – you are not eligible to win Lucha Swag, which sucks because I'd like to have Lucha Swag myself. But we'll be giving it away to a listener, okay? Um, that being said, I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in and listening. It's been fun. It's been real fun. It's been nice to get some things off of our chest, you know? I wonder if this music was playing on Punk's wedding day. I doubt it. I, I seriously doubt it. Make sure you check out all the programming here on the SNS Radio Network. Shows like the Elite Force Podcast, which is uh, your sci-fi connection. Shows like Beyond the Bell, which is your old-school wrestling nostalgia podcast. Uh, the whole indie show talks about independent wrestling. If you don't know much about it, that's what you need to listen to. <clears throat> Shows like Sticks and Flicks for your movies and entertainment and, uh, you know, your occasional 4s and 360s and stuff like that. Uh, get in the zone for Impact and SmackDown and tell me I did not just hear that or some shit. I don't know. Some crazy shit that they do on that show. Thanks. <laughs> Wild and weird stuff. Wild and weird stuff. Uh, running the ropes when it returns at some point in the you know, future. I don't know. Shows like Sunday Night Showdown for uh, WWE pay-per-views. Obviously this show, every week, unplugged. And if I missed anybody, I'm sorry. I'm getting long in the tooth. I'm ready to wrap this motherfucker up. Uh, you guys can help support the SNS Radio Network. We do have a donate button on the main page there. Uh, if you feel the need to do so, we would appreciate it. For those of you that have donated in the past, thank you. For those of you that will donate in the future, we do appreciate it. We do spend our hard-earned money on keeping this stream and website running. So anything you could throw at us, we do appreciate. Thank you. On that note, um, I did watch The Walking Dead this past week. It was a very emotional show with the death of a... Uh, somewhat beloved character in the walking dead retcon so special song of the night goes out to beth who has left us on the walking dead we'll see you again next week for another edition of unplugged right here on the sns radio network again i'll keep you guys updated as to what interview we're going to get next week but we will be having someone from lucha underground be a part of the show and we will be giving away some Lucha swag next week on the program. So on behalf of 
Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella. I'm Mr. Money on the mic, Jeff Jackson. Happy trails, my friends. Happy trails. Good night.